And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. This year in 2016, I mean, this is it, man. We either go into George Orwell's totalitarianism, where we have an all-centralized, all-powerful, cradle-to-grave government, and there's no turning back. Once that door is shut, it's over. We have an opportunity to change America. We really do. I don't feel up to the job. I don't feel adequate. I don't feel worthy. I'm sure you guys don't feel adequate or worthy. We know we're not special. We're fallible. We're imperfect. So is everybody else in your audience. But guess what? Look around. There's nobody else to get in the game but us. We may feel like we're, we're not worthy. Of course we're not worthy. Why, why isn't there some great leader coming? There, there is none. It's up to you and I, you know, a Gideon's band, a remnant, and we can change the direction of America. But it's going to require being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, a total revolutionary, radical commitment to Jesus Christ, and using your mind like God intended you to use it, which means raise the level of your intelligence and quit thinking like some little immature nine-year-old and learn to use discernment whether it comes to political candidates or career choices or whatever. Crying out loud, this is the last year we've got. It's, it's now or never. Welcome, folks, to the Hagman and Hagman Report. I suspect you heard that, right? That was Paul McGuire. Yes, Paul McGuire. You didn't even see his lips move, did you? Paul McGuire from uh, earlier this year. How prescient is that? Was that Paul McGuire is going to be our guest? Folks, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. The, the night before Thanksgiving in the United States of America, where Drudge Report is screaming, most hope in a decade. Headline, big headline. Interesting, interesting times in which we live, aren't they? Folks, we're simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. Global Star Radio Network is where we broadcast, and of course you can watch us on YouTube, uh, YouTube Live. And, uh, just wanted to just thank each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your trust in us, for your belief in us. Thank you for walking with us together with us thank you for helping us grow words there are no words to really express my gratitude our gratitude our thanks as a family a remnant perhaps you know we have listeners from all over the world I know folks don't celebrate American Thanksgiving in the UK or in Australia. I mean, I understand that. It's not a holiday for you. But thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for celebrating with us. We have to remember what Thanksgiving is. I'm Doug Hagman, of course. 
of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So proud to have with us Paul McGuire from paulmcguire.us. Paul, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to yourself uh, open up the program. <laughs> Doug, thank you for having me on. <laughs> yes, didn't even see your lips move on that one. Oh, I did. Uh, wow, powerful though. Uh, uh, Paul, I'll, I'll be quiet now and, and just let you talk, uh, my friend. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean over talking. I know we're on a, uh, I know you're on a Skype connection, and I know yeah. that there's a t- touch of a delay. So, uh, okay. thanks for thanks for coming back, brother. Thank you, thank you for inviting me back. You know, I I, I wasn't going to mention uh, Thanksgiving because I didn't want to. Uh, uh, well, I, I just didn't want to get into it. <clears throat> but then I was thinking about today's. Uh, program and what's happening in the United States of America and there's a foundational precept here which applies to those people in America and to everybody around the world the reason America up until the last let's say 50 years has been the most prosperous uh, most free nation on planet earth imperfect we all know but the reason it has be, was the most powerful nation on earth, the freest nation on earth, and the most prosperous nation on earth has to do with an historical fact, which is in the 1600s, the Pilgrims and Puritans escaped England for religious freedom, and uh, they entered into a supernatural covenant with God based on Deuteronomy 28 where they pledged to God that they would worship the true God and not false gods, and that they would not only uh, study his word, but obey his word. And uh, I was studying this last night, and this verse at the very beginning of Deuteronomy 28 came back into my mind, and that is God, the pilgrims and Puritans, and that's why we in America uh, celebrate this unique day uh, of Thanksgiving. It's because the the pilgrims and Puritans uh, offered up to God Thanksgiving. So in the first verse in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings and the curses, God promises to uh, Israel, and he promised to the pilgrims and Puritans, if you worship me and don't worship false gods, and if you obey uh, my words and hearken diligently unto the word of God, I will raise you up above all the nations in the earth. Now, we can think that's, you know, a nice superstitious thing with the pilgrims and the turkeys and all the rest of that stuff. But no, that's what happened in history. And as a consequence of what the pilgrims and Puritans did in the 1600s, America was indeed, as a matter of historical fact, raised up to be the most powerful nation uh, on earth, uh, both economically in terms of uh, spiritual religious freedoms, uh, freedom of every kind, economic prosperity and that came true it it, it 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 america became greater than any other nation on earth because of those things now when we violated the covenant which began uh a long time ago but accelerated let's say <clears throat> around 1917 which was the time of the bolshevik revolution when we violated that covenant with god then that curse that the pilgrims and puritans knew very well about uh, began to slowly infect us like a virus. So now here we are, and uh, it's after an election, and God has given America, and through America, the world, a second chance. And if anybody doesn't understand the fact that this election 
is far more than one candidate getting uh, into office. This election is a pivotal point in human history, uh, just as great as a turning point, let's say, as the French Revolution, the original American Revolution, the Communist Revolution. Uh, it's not that Donald Trump is, is so great individually. He's flawed. But he he has decided to make himself available as a champion, and God has given us a second chance through him. His greatness is under assault by the Lilliputians. And I, I don't know if anybody remembers Gulliver Travels. I barely remember it myself. But in that novel, Gulliver's Travels, uh, the, the, there were giant men in the land, uh, and a particular giant who was very, very powerful and capable of all kinds of things. But the Lilliputians were these small, tiny people who were frightened and scared. But the, the, the way they were able to conquer um, the giant was the Lilliputians tied him up in little knots with their pettiness. So what we see right now is the media... Uh, in the in in the last throws, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody drown to completion. Fortunately, I have not. But when somebody drowns and they're about to go down and under, there's that last adrenaline burst, and they're flailing uh, in the water for all it's worth. <clears throat> then they sink beneath the water. Well, what we're seeing with the media, and we 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 need definitely not to be frightened of the media. This is their last gasp. They they have built their uh, attack and assault on every American uh, in this nation, no matter what race or ethnic group, who believes in God, who believes in hard work, who believes in capitalism, who believes in freedom, the mass media and the elite, the global elite, the political elite, the financial elite, have attacked, they have disdained, um, they see themselves as royalty, but they're going down hard. So there's a lot of chest thumping and bravado by CNN and ABC and NBC and the rest of the networks, but it's a lot of hollow chest thumping. Those media empires are about to crash, and you're going to see them crash visibly. The stock market, Lord willing, is about to roar, and you're going to see the stock market roar uh, with with the invigoration of rocket fuel because for the first time in many, many decades – uh, we're going to have a tax policy that doesn't punish the creation of wealth. And on top of that, we have a president dedicated to restoring religious freedoms. So this is a very historic moment. And I just hope your listeners recognize the hour in which we're in, because the people in the media don't recognize it. They don't have any clue what's going on. Uh, but those people who, who claim to know God and who know something about history must understand that this is a once-in-a-lifetime, if not once-in-a-century event, which is occurring now, and it's the beginning of a radical transformation of America back to its its roots, back to what made America great again. And it's not going to come, come without a fight. I mean, you know, it, 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 the victory is not done. It's not over. Uh, we've won the first decisive battle, and we need to hang in there. But you are going to live to see, and I will live to see, uh, an, an enormous turning point here. You, you know, Paul, uh, you, you said a lot there. Number one, um, 
Trump the man. I don't believe for a moment it's about Trump the man. It's about the collective ideology of a public who is sick and tired of being lied to. They're finally, or at least a significant number of Americans, people in the West, have been awakened uh, knowing that they're being gamed. And it's because, or it's in spite of the corporate media, and you're absolutely correct, and, and therefore the backlash against the corporate media and the the corporate media is becoming irrelevant. And you're right, they've got this death grip on their positions of influence over the people in the West. Now, um, I also believe that we witnessed a revolution in, in, under the leadership of Trump. However, I, you know, I, look, I don't know how Trump is going to... I don't know what kind of leader he's going to be. And, and I'm not, I, I, we, we hear his words. Uh, we see some compromise. I suspect that some of the compromise is just merely to sedate the more um, chaotic elements of society. That's my view anyway. Uh, I, I think some of the compromise are, are its words. Um, but yet, you know, here he is. I mean, we've got 50 some days before he's going to be inaugurated before he assumes power. So uh, there's a lot of real estate between today and Inauguration Day. So we've, we've got a lot yet to see, but but you're, you're right. I truly believe, as you spoke about, and I was going through our programs together today, uh, Paul, and I should have pulled some other really interesting quotes that you made. You know, it's up to us. It's up to us to, to create that revolution and to stand up and play our positions and be counted and to say no, not not anymore, not us. We you know we have to stop. So, I mean, but but you had called this early on through your appearances on our program. You've talked about this as well, or written about this, I should say, the prophecy of the future of America, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, uh, which is really fantastic. And folks, you can go to PaulMcGuire.us for a copy of his book. Um, it's interesting to, to to look at that, which you wrote in the context of today's headlines. And uh, you were right on the money. So, but I, Paul, I just really think, as we hear, and, and I see a lot of people getting really excited. Uh, when I say excited, I'm not talking about good excited. I'm talking about, whoa, you know, he's he's caving on this, he's caving on that. He hasn't even stepped in the Oval Office yet. And and yeah. you know, so, so just folks, hold on. And the other thing too. Now, I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying he hasn't even stepped in, and I'm sure that there's. That's kind of part of the art of the deal, I suppose. And the other thing, though, and I just want people to, to understand, if you think that the, the globalists, are, and, and Paul, I, I was in password-protected sites of some of the more uh, Marxist elements of our society, uh, of which I've got, I've been able to infiltrate and have accounts and able to monitor. I mean, they are, they're, they're fixing to continue the fight. They're not going down easy. They want recounts in four states. They want uh, lawsuits filed based on Trump's financial interests. They want uh, to claim that he's not constitutionally, of all things, to claim that he's not constitutionally eligible to become president because of his business interests. And then they're making, of course, Keith Olbermann is making a case that he's just crazy. I was going to use another term, but I can't. Um, So, you know, there's, there's all this... All these forces against them. So, you know, the, the fight is just starting, isn't it? 
Yeah, <clears throat> the fight is is just starting. Uh, God has been gracious to us, and this is why uh, on your program so many times over the years, I kept stressing the need for uh, repentance and crying out to God and divine intervention. And we saw the results of crying out to God and divine inter- intervention because Trump should not have been elected. Everything in the world was against him. But we have this this other uh, problem. We have we've had the in- infiltration in America for the last fifty years. Well, it goes back further than that, but for fifty years intensively, uh, America has been uh, infiltrated by a Marxist uh, infiltration that uh, primarily penetrated the universities and the educational system, actually beginning in 1917. And they're using hardcore Marxist strategies, communist strategies, to overthrow the United States through subversion from within. That's why you see the millennials, it's really a tragedy with the millennials, because they are, and I don't mean this to put them down, but they are brainwashed zombies uh, every time I hear a millennial being interviewed, they know nothing about nothing, and they can spout off like five words, and their entire consciousness and worldview uh, is totally focused in on diversity, misogynist, um, uh, you know, LGBT community, and a couple of other words, and their entire framework on life is built around that. And they've been brainwashed into being uh, dependent on an all-powerful state, which they naively believe will will uh, redistribute the wealth and and create social justice, which was which is a complete lie. So, this same Marxist revolutionary philosophy has been like a virus in the university systems for a long time, and many of the people in the media have been been captured by it ideologically, at least. Uh, they don't like to call themselves communists or Marxists, but they call themselves progressives or liberals or socialists. But they embrace this this worldview. Now, when I'm watching these people in the media, you know, the so-called big uh, journalists, I am looking at very uneducated men who are not deep thinkers. They basically have little or no understanding of history, philosophy, culture, religion. They are, you know, somewhat agile with uh, their vocabulary on a very superficial basis. Uh, they look physically like weak men and weak women. There's no character in their face. There's no strength. And they're the, bureauc- the bureaucrats, the sycophants of uh, George Orwell's big brother. And they lie. Uh, and they don't even realize uh, how committed they are to their lies. Like this whole thing of you know, comparing Trump to this wacko group of uh, Nazis. This is a complete falsehood. They, you know, the media searched far and wide to, to, to see a, to, to video a bunch of nuts and then try to equate uh, Steve Bannon and Trump in that group, which is complete and utter nonsense. But what we need to do is we need to keep our eyes on the prize. And, and you said something very important, and we need to learn from this. I was in the radical left. I was demonstrating with Abby Hoffman when I was 15 and all the rest of that stuff. But they, the radical left, which is behind, which is financed by Soros and others, has a long-term game plan, long-term strategy. They're in it 
if it takes decades or a hundred years, they're in it and they're playing hardball and they're dedicated and they have strategies and, and they're not going to take no for an answer. Now, uh, Van Jones, communist revolutionary. We can go down the list. Many of them don't publicly come out and say who they are. So they're deeply entrenched and they're not going to walk away. But we have a problem here. God has answered our prayers and given us a Donald Trump and, and a, a tremendous opportunity to make the most of stark change um, in our nation's history. And America, I believe that if God's people will commit themselves to, to physically uh, uh, standing up and being counted in a law-abiding, peaceful way, and if God's people will truly commit uh, each one of their lives to, to, to be uh, agents of the Lord Jesus Christ in our society, we can change things around. But what I'm very concerned about, and I keep seeing this, the reason the left took over the universities, the reason the left took over the media and filmmaking and uh, most of the power centers in society is because evangelical Christians suffer from a faulty worldview which is not biblical. They're super spiritual. They will absolutely not roll up their sleeves and go to work, which communists and Marxists do. They won't hang in the struggle while it's tough. They, they run home and, and, and hide under their pillow and say it must not be the will of God because things are intense. So God couldn't possibly uh, be leading me to, to fight the good fight of faith if there's adversity. So this is God's way of telling me I should go home and hide under the pillow, which is nonsense. And then we have to come to face this reality. And, and, you know, the bottom line is, we have a very small percentage of evangelical pastors in the United States who are faithful pastors. They're hirelings. They do not have a robust and strong biblical worldview. They have no idea about the battle that you and I discussed. They're leading their people in sedative sermons that keep them uh, doped up and disconnected from the culture. And as long as individual Christians, and I'm speaking to individual Christians in your audience, sorry to, to, to kind of overheat your uh, oven before you tur uh, put the turkey in, the turkey in, but if you want to just have stuffing for brains, then keep going to these churches which are disconnected and keep justifying your disobedience before God by going to these uh, churches that are producing the Marxist uh, uh, strategies where you're out there in la-la land. Keep going to those churches, because when you worship in those churches, you become one with them. And who, who is them? Them is those people who offered an evil report to God and said, we can't take the, take the land. Go ahead. Continue in fellowshipping in those churches. Continue using the money that God has given you to invest in worthy projects for the gospel. Continue to, to tithe and write checks to fund churches which are destroying our nation because of apathy. Go ahead, continue to do that. And continue to uh, play church instead of being a, a real Christian and go to church. I'm being confrontive. I'm doing it in love. But unless this group of people wakes up and gets engaged, God is about ready to do one of the most phenomenal things in the history of mankind. 
we could very easily see a temporal uh, uh, golden age for the preaching of the gospel, for the rebirth of religious freedoms, for the transformation of our nation. Uh, admittedly, it will be a short-term thing, but it will be the last uh, move of God and the massive soul harvest before he returns. This is what God wants to do, but he can't do it unless the individual men and women who call themselves Christians are going to sever the ties to these churches, which are uh, not churches at all, uh, their sensitivity workshops, the left, the radical left, look down with total disrespect on these churches. You need to get in the game and be engaged spiritually and physically. And you have to have, if you don't have the same commitment in your life, and if your pastor doesn't have the same commitment, and if your fellow Christian friends don't have the same commitment as these Marxists, these leftists, these progressives, and the others trying to change our society... Well, there's something very wrong about that if you don't have a commitment superior to them. You know, this is so very well said. And as we approach the uh, bottom of the hour here, uh, Paul, I, I just want to say that um, what we're looking at in society, I believe, and we're now that the dust has settled somewhat, although it's going to get kicked up again, or it's going to remain kicked up in many areas, but has settled much from the election. Um, we have to look at at not only ourselves, but those with whom we fellowship with, and those uh, with whom we hitch our wagon to. And and you know, we see a lot of people, I believe, who are phone addicted, self obsessed, hashtagging, snapchatting, kale munching, twerking, lazy, whining, ill informed, politically correct, corseted narcissists who find absolutely every, everything that mortally offensive and believe that there are hundred and sixty five ways to sexually identify. Stop it. Stop it. By the way, I referenced none other than Piers Morgan in that characterization. Can you believe that? You did? Wow. Yes, I did. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Very special guest, Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is his website. If I can twist his arm a little bit, I'm going to ask him to stay for uh, until uh, the bottom of the next hour. We'll see how he, if he can do that. Folks, we're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. Day before Thanksgiving 2016. something to look back to just what three weeks ago when we had a bunch a group of marxist progressives uh snowflake uh, liberal identifying sexually confused morons out there um who were just having a fit over trump's statement about well you know not well not perhaps accepting the outcome of the election in the context of course of the um questionable votes and vote fraud 
But now, today, now that now that Trump has been proclaimed victorious in the Electoral College, which they're going to meet on the 19th, um, you know, the, 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 the big thing is, well, wait a second, wait a second, Hillary won the popular vote, and of course, that doesn't really count, as they would have said, if this would have been uh, reversed. But uh, now they've taken and they continue to, to riot. They continue to vandalize. They stage. They're staging cry-ins. They're staging, uh, making safe zones. They're passing out play-doh and balloons and pacifiers and diapers. Uh, I guess they do need them. They're they're finding reasons not to go to class or take tests. They're group hugging. They're tweeting and tweeting numerous threats and posting on social network threats and calling names and 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 as Paul McGuire our guest Paul McGuire.us said just coming in um they're 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 um they're doing well they're 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 attempting to see they're seeking counseling for crying out loud they're doing everything in their power to make sure that their voices are heard you know if if they continue on this route, they will self destruct, which is not a bad thing. It's uh, and of course we Paul started, started, spoke about the snowflake millennials, and this is exactly who we're talking about in, in a larger sense. Now there are many millennials out there who are who are um, uh, strong and of course more sensible folks. Before we get back to Paul McGuire from paulmcguire.us, I want to mention that uh, if you don't have one of these already, look order soon. Uh, order soon. It's the G Mag from Green Innovative. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the battery charger. This is a look. Look when we're when we're planning for disaster, when we're doing our disaster preps. A must have is an absolutely must have is a good supply of batteries. Uh, Throwaway batteries, they go dead, or if they're on the shelf for any length of time, or during use. Well, with rechargeable batteries, you can always recharge them if you've got the right piece of equipment. The only piece of equipment now in the Hagman household, in the Hagman and Hagman studios, is the G-Mag. Solar chargers can help, but only during daylight hours. Hand crank chargers sound like a lot of work. Um, they got a lot of moving parts and not all that great. The ideal solution is, in fact, a lightweight portable charger that makes power anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Go to hagmanreport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. And right now, right now, and, and by the way, this piece of equipment is EMP safe. It's got an indefinite shelf life. It can charge on an unlimited number of batteries and is made in the USA. So when uh, natural or man-made disasters strike, you need power. All you need to do is add salt, add a little bit of water with the magnesium pucks, and there it is. You've You've got recharged batteries right there at your disposal. Folks, Green Innovative. 15% 15% off of all purchases between now and Christmas, but hurry up because these are flying off the shelves. Greenovative, 15% off with the promo code Hagman. Greenovative.com, 15% off all purchases through Christmas with the promo code Hagman, but hurry up because this, these are flying off the shelves. Paul, I'm sorry, uh, to, uh, to extend my earlier monologue too long, but, uh, we're, we're just seeing this, uh, the results of the second American Revolution, I believe, right? Yeah, that's a that's a very good uh, that's a very good term for it. We have literally literally seen the results of the second 
American Revolution. And people need to understand how significant uh, an event that just occurred. I mean, we've been literally under the tyranny for 60, 70 years of a humanist, anti-capitalist, anti-Christ, and anti-God control and coup in this nation. You know, um, America was invaded. People people don't understand something. We talk about communism and Marxism, progressives and liberals. And, and when we get down to progressives and liberals, um, you know, they come in many, many flavors. So you have some that are, you know, legitimate people. <clears throat> but when you get down to hardcore Marxists, like Van Jones, he's a very intelligent guy, but he's got a basic uh, brain problem, because I watch him all the time, and, I, and I, I study the way his mind thinks when he gets on CNN. He's very intelligent, but as I observe him processing thoughts... He can only do it in a, in a cubicle in his mind because he has been programmed, uh, into seeing the world through the, the communist, Marxist, uh, dialectic and, uh, revolutionary paradigm. And so I noticed that when he's asked a question or when Ben Jones has to deal with something that he doesn't know how to process through his Marxist, uh, mind program, I watch how his head spins. It's like a computer that doesn't know how to process an equation because he's he's programmed. He doesn't realize he's programmed. He thinks he's intelligent. Well, yeah, he's an intelligent radical, but he doesn't understand the breadth and scope of life. He doesn't even understand the origins of Marxism and communism. So these kids tragically have been programmed, and not everybody in the millennial generation is, uh, you know, stupid or, uh, or ignorant. But they've been brainwashed from public ed, from K through university, indoctrinated into, to, into Marxist socialist thought. So, so here, here's the thing. What they don't understand is that Marxism from the beginning was always a tool by the powerful globalist elite to, uh, control and enslave the workers and the masses. It, it, the entire Marxist, uh, progressive, communist, socialist program is built on a fundamental lie. It was never about social justice. It was never about redistributing the wealth. It was never about creating an ideal society where an all-powerful centralized state will make everything equal for everybody. That was never what communism, Marxism, uh, was about it was all that was just the, the the subterfuge. What it was really about was sucker punching a working man and baiting him to join the communist revolution, so that the elite could totally enslave, dominate, and control the wealth and labor of the the masses of working men and working women. In other words, it is the ultimate slave system. But you see, because these these college professors and people like Van Jones and others, they're not very deep thinkers. They don't they don't understand that they're they're pawns in a very sophisticated game, and and the game has nothing to do with what they think it has to do with. And then, of course, as you know, Doug, the proof of the pudding is, without exception, there's not one single example in the history of mankind, including Russia, China, North Korea, whatever, that has ever produced. 
Communism has never produced a prosperous, free state of happy people. Every communist regime, to varying degrees, is a slave state. And socialism always eventually produces poverty. And since the time I was 16 years old, I'd hear this barf nonsense that, oh, oh, well, we just haven't found the perfect state that, that uses, that, that uses Karl Marx's ideas, uh, uh, properly, you know, Sweden is an example. Baloney. Sweden was never an example. Right now, Sweden is faced with an economic crisis because they na- they have to build massive housing developments to house all the migrants that they were forced to accept. The only reason Sweden uh, uh, came off like a, a pseudo successful socialist nation is because it had such a capitalist. Uh, uh, bank account in it that, and, and an isolated population group, uh, that, that it was an exception. But, it, but it's prosperity. It had nothing to do with socialism. There isn't one socialist state in the world that works or produces. It works or produces for the 1%, but for the common man. And that's why these people in the media, you know, um, they're isolated. They talk to their friends in Manhattan. They talk to their friends in San Francisco or L.A., and they, they're clueless. They're paid a little bit more than most people, but they have no idea what's really going on. You, you know what, Paul, if I can just say this. Your books, and I, I stress this to people, I love to read. I, I just I, I read two or three books a week. Your book, uh, well, all of your books, from Mass Awakening to... Uh, in particular, a prophecy of the future of America, 2016, 2017. I, I will say this: I, you, you dig deep into what what we're seeing today is the result of years, decades, a century or more of programming, of massaging our ideology, of destroying our Western value or system of values and culture. However, you um, are able to explain this. Cite the um, really the day, if not the you know, or the, the time period, if not the exact day uh, or days when everything has changed or things have changed. Name the people behind this perverse plan that we're seeing. So I, I have to credit you with a lot of my education. Um, so thank you for that, and I certainly hope everyone in our audience would take advantage of, of your writings as well because they go it, it, your writings go deep into this I you know what I, when you when you're talking about the, the the socialism of Sweden and then you're talking about Van Jones um, it, it's clear to me that to, well it's clear to me at this point in my life looking at everything that, that the terrain I, I don't see uh, I don't see a way out of this except for not just a revolution, but there's going to be a civil war, Paul. There's got to be, unless we can diffuse that civil war through prayer, through action, and through divine, well, through divine intervention, as well as a, a huge influx of understanding of the ideologies uh, of how we've been gamed collectively. Thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you're you're right. I mean, right now, when I see the millennials demonstrating, and I know that they're 
This is not, these millennial demonstrations are not spontaneous demonstrations. These Black Lives Matters demonstrations are not spontaneous. The, the demonstrations uh, uh, involving the shooting of the police, shooting of innocent black men, these are not spontaneous demonstrations. These, this is a nationwide circuit of demonstrations that is being managed and promoted by a highly organized Marxist network of highly trained, uh, professional Marxist revolutionary agitators fund by people uh, allegedly like George Soros who, who, who through his open society and other groups funds like hundreds of uh, counterculture groups. So he also funded ad busters which was like the propaganda arm for Occupy Wall Street. He uh, helped to fund Occupy Wall Street and so many of these other groups. And he, and he compiled them and he, he gathered together, not he directly, the people that were working for him, um, uh, people who were called in-depth psychologists, people who were experts in brainwashing and persuasion and in, indoctrination and in coordinating revolutionary movements. I mean, these are scientific people who know the scientific mechanisms of igniting a revolution in America. That's what we're up against. This is not a bunch of, you know, pot-smoking buffoons. Uh, maybe their their minions on the street are, but the people orchestrating this are using scientific methods, just like Hitler did, just like uh, the communists did, to to transform our nation. And this will go uh, to a civil war. Now, the, the thing is, though, what people need to understand is that this is a multidimensional warfare. So on one hand, we have the warfare on the ground, which is voting, media, uh, persuasion, indoctrination, uh, programming, brainwashing, etc., etc. But on the other hand, and this is what most people neglect to understand, we have a higher dimensional uh, warfare going on above the uh, physical warfare of just simply ideas and media and coordination of demonstrations. This higher dimensional warfare is literally a spiritual warfare between demonic beings and fallen angels and God's angels and God's hierarchy of angels in which prayer is employed and fasting and repentance is employed on God's side. But on the Luciferian side, and Christians need to really wake up and get out of that trance state because that trance state is going to send you right into a concentration camp. And if you're hearing my voice and you say, man, I don't like Paul McGuire today. He's just being too intense before Thanksgiving. Well, guess what, my friend? You're going to be the Thanksgiving turkey baked in the oven. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being spot on. The Jews were in a trance. They were sedated through scientific mind control, so that to the very seconds before that they were burned alive in the concentration camp ovens or gassed to death, they would stand outside the door of where they were going to be gassed to death or shoved into the ovens and, and baked into oblivion. And they still were in denial. They, they, they thought the showers were to help them clean them up so they could get a job. I mean, it was really a tragic thing. They were in such denial of reality. So we have to remember something here. There's a spiritual uh, component to this battle. And when American Christians turned away from God, we allowed 
through our neglect, the entrance of the spirit of Antichrist into our nation. The spirit of Antichrist is different than the Antichrist, capital A, who will come at an appointed time. The spirit of Antichrist is when powerful demonic spirits are uh, given permission to enter a nation like Nazi Germany and take control of it. And they begin, the spirit of Antichrist begins by attacking every single thing and institution of God, everything that God likes. And that's how the spirit of Antichrist begins waging war against the society. So, the same very spirit of Antichrist that uh, infiltrated Germany and produced Hitler and the Holocaust, that spirit of Antichrist is moving with great acceleration now here in the United States of America. So, how do we know that? Look at everything the brainwashed millennials and the other people who are brainwashed spout out of their mouths. Misogynist, diversity, uh, LGBT rights, uh, something about anti-capitalism or whatever. Notice that those words are essentially targets and the Marxist strategy is to destroy every institution of God. So Christian morality is under attack. The Christian family is under attack. Traditional moral values is under attack. Pro-life is under attack. Uh, freedom of religion is under attack. This is not an accident. The Antichrist uh, demonic powers that are behind communism and a Marxist siege target first every Christian institution, every Christian leader, and then they bring down the political establishment. So we need to recognize where we are in the spectrum of time. Now, I didn't say that to produce fear. I'm saying we still have enough time to uh, launch a counterattack, a law-abiding, peaceful counterattack, and we still have time. God has given us an enormous victory with Trump. But if Christians listening out there think, well, Trump won, and now I can go back to sleep again and play church and go to some church where they're singing Kumbaya, my Lord, or all the rest of the garbage they're doing. No, that's not acceptable before God. God, this is, this is our second chance. We're not going to get a third chance. We got chance number two. This is it. Wake up, smell the coffee, do your job. There ain't going to be a third chance. The third chance will be we go down hard. America will go down harder than most nations. We will become a hardcore totalitarian states. And mark my words, these are not the words of an extremist. I'm not trying to uh, manufacture paranoia or hysteria. I'm very reluctant. I almost never say these words. I almost never do. But based on, if we reject this number two option, the second American Revolution, which God has granted us now, and we go back to sleep, listen to me very carefully, you need to wake up, because if you say you love your daughter and your son, and you love your fellow neighbor, and you love your fellow man, if you really love them, if you really love your family, if you really love this nation, if you really love people, love thy neighbor as thyself, if you really love them, then you won't go to sleep and, and allow the third dynamic to happen, which this nation falls to a totalitarian Marxist state, and guess what will happen? Mark my words, you will see the killing and mass slaughter, or mass euthanasia, or however they choose to dispose of the bodies, 
of Christians in camps all across America. That's not paranoia. That, that, is, that is simply based on the historical parallels of China, Korea, Russia, and every nation, and Hitler with National Socialist Party, every nation which has uh, allowed the spirit of Antichrist to dominate it and control it has always produced, without exception, at the end of the road, mass Holocaust, slaughter, and annihilation. So if you want to see your wife and your kids and your grandkids taken off in body bags because they are enemies of the state, this is where this thing is going. If we, we are not faithful with this tremendous victory that God has given us. I just finished producing a brand new DVD called, uh, it's a three DVD set called America What's going to happen next and it's available now it was finished after the election and it, it, it talks about the tremendous opportunity we have to take back this land and and uh, let America be a platform for the gospel worldwide but remember if we fail to uh, be faithful with what God has done for us then we're going to hit the default number three dynamic which is the awful consequences to totalitarianism. You know, we, we must keep we must keep sober. We must keep on point. We must um, we must hit the ground running, or, or continue running, run faster, uh, play harder, play our positions with with more. Um, be a little bit more. Be a little bit wiser with our time, with our efforts, and, and, and hone in on specific targets, shall we say. And, and targets is not meant as any type of, uh, uh, it's objectives, I guess, is what I mean to say. Uh, and, you mean, and you mean peaceful targets, uh, law Yes, life. yes, of course, because, you know, without a doubt, uh, you know, someone is going to take that word and say, oh, my goodness, you know, you're, you're, you're advocating violence. No, no, no. It's, it, it, we, we must keep objectives in front of us and prayerfully continue forward with, um, after our objectives. And, and, you know, that, that's just it. We do have this opportunity, um, now, the, one thing, though, Paul, uh, that we're seeing right now is this huge push, and this goes back to what you said earlier, this huge push where people like uh, like us, like you and me and, and other people in the new media, in the citizen journalists, whatever you want to call us, investigative journalists, investigators, reporting on our findings, columnists, whatever. We're being labeled as fake news, and they're calling for sanctions now against people like us. Censorship. I'm, I'm, and they're I'm, actually doing it. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. That whole fake news thing uh, is such a transparent agenda. What it really is all about, as you know, Doug, and probably many of your listeners know, Fake news is nothing more. When they mean fake news, what they really mean is any news that doesn't fit into their liberal, Marxist, socialist, progressive agenda. So if you write that capitalism is good and Christianity is good and base a story on it, that's going to be called fake news. Um, if you write a story that, you know, global warming, we need to, to all ride bicycles and, you know, eat 
vegetables. Uh, that's going to be called legitimate news. So the fake news, uh, legitimate news dynamic is nothing more than a trick uh, to attempt to censor all opposing views of the globalist, socialist, Marxist attempt at dominating the media. That's all it is. And you know that, but I hope your, all of your listeners understand that this is a, this is a game they're playing. They're out for total, total, total. See, totalitarian regimes are about total censorship, total control. Conversely, the Constitution is freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press. So fake news is nothing more than making it illegal for you to say, write, or express anything that doesn't fit into the Orwellian, big brother, globalist elite agenda. You're right on target as usual, and we're we're seeing this this push and against us. And you know, folks, I I just really want everyone to understand how we in the in this venue in in this arena in which we are we are operating, uh, we are being subjected to just this incredible an incredible amount of um, warfare. Whether it's lawfare, whether yeah. it is, you know, threats of lawfare, threats of whatever, uh, or actual lawfare, or, uh, claims, uh, fictitious claims of whatever it might be, pejorative character assassinations, assassinations right. on our integrity and character. We, uh, Paul, you and I, all of us have, are, are putting up with this. Paul, can I twist your arm to stay for another 30 minutes? Can, can you do that, my brother? Yeah. No, no, I'd be delighted to stay as long as you want. That's perfect. All right. Folks, our very special guest, Paul McGuire from paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. What a tremendous DVD offer he's got there, as well as his books. I would urge everyone to go to paulmcguire.us. Christmas is coming, gift-giving season. If you do that, please consider that. Uh, for your gift giving. I, I can think of no better gift than Paul's DVD sets at any one or all of his books. Again, Paul McGuire from paulmcguire.us. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and the Hagman Report. We're right back. Stay right where you're at. Thanksgiving to everyone on the night before Thanksgiving 2016. Our very special guest, Paul McGuire from paulmcguire.us. Always informative and inspirational as well. And we can do all things through God. And we, you know, obviously we, we have to always remember that. Um, just one thing before we get back to Paul, I, I posted a, an image on uh, my personal Facebook page today. And I don't know if my wife saw it, but this is a, a meeting that I had yesterday morning, I think it was, with uh, my closest uh, confidential advisor, female advisor, in the studio or in my office right before we, uh, or right after we got to the, got to the office. And uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, she's uh, she's adorable. So anyway, uh, she's a good listener too. 
And so my Facebook, first personal Facebook page, Doug Hagman. And uh, of course we have a Facebook page, Hagman Report Facebook page as well. And we're also on uh, Twitter, social networking feed as well. But, uh, Paul McGuire, PaulMcGuire.us. Oh, by, by the way, one more thing, folks. Um, December. Now, I want to thank John Robertson for this. John, God bless you, my friend. You are, you are the man, as in JD and others. John, uh, set this up. Sheriff Joe Arpaio is going to be having a news conference on December 15th. Now, you know, uh, you know the story behind Joe Arpaio. We'll be getting into this later, but, uh, joining us on the 16th will be Mike Zulo and Carl Gallops to talk about that announcement. So that's going to be a very, very exciting show, uh, kind of a debriefing of sorts from that announcement. But let's get right back to Paul McGuire from PaulMcGuire.us. Paul, uh, you were saying, my friend, you were saying. Well, you brought up uh, very interesting about the fake news. And we, we, have to, we have to remember over and over again is, is that the people that were peaceful, like fighting against many of them, and I'm sure there's some exceptions, they, you know, standard operating procedure for people that embrace Marxist ideology is by any means necessary. Whatever it takes to do the job, it's justified, no matter whether it's criminal, unethical, or whatever. That's basic communist operating procedure. So they have no problem lying or doing whatever they want to do. Now, the thing is, the media continually lies. So right after we have this election cycle, where the media has basically had its pants pulled down. The, 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 all the ratings and surveys say the overwhelming percentage of the American public view the uh, media as dishonest, uh, favoring one candidate and having no credible credibility. So here they're caught in a firestorm of people looking down upon them because they lied about just about everything in the campaign and they got caught. They lied about the polls. They lied, lied, lied about Trump. Unreal- and they're still lying. <laughs> they haven't finished lying. So isn't it interesting in this atmosphere of an orgy of lying by the mainstream media because they're owned by the globalist elite, the, the mainstream media uh, decides to create this uh, fake thing called fake news. Well, news that isn't legitimate. Well, if we were dealing with a rational or ethical playing field, the first group of people that would be guilty of publishing fake news, because they published fake news for about a year regarding the election, would be the mainstream media. They have, they've been guilty of publishing fake news on just about everything, from Hillary Clinton to, and then they were caught by WikiLeaks giving answers to questions and all kinds of other unethical behavior, the media. So the, the, the mainstream media has been guilty of egregious fake news, lying about the polls, distorting the polls, on and on and on. So while they're being looked upon as the worst perpetrators of, quote, fake news, they decide to create this Orwellian word, fake news, in an attempt to turn it around on people that criticize them or hold a different point of view than their progressive liberal Marxist point of view. And they do this consistently, this kind of uh, incredible lying. Uh, so th- that's what we're, we're dealing with. And we have to remember that the people that we're engaged in the conflict with don't share those core beliefs of an absolute right and an absolute wrong. Um, they have denied that God exists and when you deny that God exists, you step into a, 
uh, a delusionary state where you believe the lie. And so lying to them is nothing. And that's why they get on the camera and they lie. And, and they lie to themselves. And so it's, it's very disturbing, but we have to play, we have to play law-abiding and legal hard, uh, hardball. We need to quit whining about them. They are who they are, but God has given us the power in a legal, law-abiding sense to take this nation back. So our first order of responsibility is to stand by and pray for the man that God put in office to help us, to give us a second chance, and to st stop second-guessing him every two seconds. Even if he makes a mistake, stop guessing, second-guessing him and tearing him apart. I mean, it just staggers me. Do, does anybody out there think that Donald Trump is so stupid that he caved in to, to a Romney thing, or he's so stupid that... No, Donald Trump has a strategy. And the, and the reality is, like it or not, you cannot be a purist 100% of Washington, D.C. You have to compromise, like a general would on a battlefield, to, to, to achieve the victories that are really important. And that's what he's doing. So you don't judge him, like you said, Doug, before he gets into office. He needs our prayers. He, Let me know, say he this. Does. He does. Yeah. He needs yeah. our prayers morning, noon, and night. He doesn't need our criticisms. He's not God, but he needs our prayers. His family needs our prayers. He needs our prayers for protection for his life. And the other thing we have to understand is we... In terms of being thankful, we need to, especially now, be thankful to Almighty God that God raised up for us a man that had the courage to be a gladiator, lay down his life, and fight for the future of this nation. And Donald Trump said something very interesting, which really uh, spoke to me. You know, he said, I've made my money. I don't need any more business deals. I don't need any more Trump Towers. I don't care about the money. This is not about the money for me. This is about saving this nation and saving the people. And I believe that's what he meant. And that reflects a purity of heart that is rarely found among religious leaders or political leaders or just about anybody. He's not in it for the power and the fame. He's in it because he is he is deeply concerned about America and he's he, he he has become a gladiator and he's willing to die for his cause. Now I wish that could be said of most Christian leaders, but sadly to say it's not. No, you, you know, even well in your D V D set, um what's going to happen or I'm sorry, uh America, what's going to happen next? Even from that and folks go to Palmaguar.us and uh, you can read and also purchase that DVD, uh, three-set DVD series. You, you write, and, and you point out that there is a very disturbing number of Christian evangelical leaders who are uh, preaching biblical heresy. But that heresy takes on a couple of different forms. Uh, of course, you know, you write... And, and you point out in your in your DVD where uh, many Christians are taught that uh, uh, we are not to be of this world, for example, and they take that to mean that it doesn't matter if Christians are involved in the political process because God is in control. Well, that 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 is that, that's contemptible heresy in my view, and that extends far beyond the election that we just passed. That extends now into um, the the heretical thought in my estimation anyway that since you can't change prophecy just occupy meaning 
sit on the couch, basically, or just stay in your prayer closet until he comes. And I do believe people are called to pray. We are all called to pray, but we can do more than just pray. We can act. And, you know, um, so, you know, the two futures that are before us, one future, as you point out, is based on the previous occult Luciferian uh, model, and then of course you've got the um, the other future for America, which is based on a biblical, biblical worldview and constitution. So, having said all of that, which side are we going to take? And I think right now we've got to make that decision. Yeah, right, and that's my my burden, and that's why uh, we did the DVD America: What's Going to Happen Next, and finished it after the election because it deals with this fact that God has given us two futures. If, if we continue down the road that we have been on, which is pursuing this new age, humanistic, liberal agenda, we will enter into a totalitarian state uh, of America. Or if we choose the path that God has for us, and Donald Trump was an, an act of God, an act of blessing on our nation, then we can move into a future where the economy is restored to whatever degree uh, America can be raised up as a platform for the gospel and religious freedoms and so on and so forth. Now, nobody... The, the interesting thing is, it's amazing how people's selfishness um, becomes uh, what theologically would be called an exegetical tool to interpret Scripture. In other words, we're supposed to interpret Scripture as at its plain meaning. We're not to interpret Scripture through the, the self-manipulation of our own uh, uh, selfishness. So I meet Christians all the time who said, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we're in the tribulation period, or we're coming to the tribulation period. Everything has to get worse to works. America has to go down right now. You know what? That's great that you're saying that, but you don't have a single Bible verse in context or out of context to back up what you just said. So you really need to shut up and read your Bible and study it. God has given us a window of opportunity that does not reverse Bible prophecy, which is uh, you can't change Bible prophecy. You can't undo God's prophetic word. But let's just do the math really quickly. And some of these people whose light bulbs need to be changed in their brain because the light bulbs haven't been on in about seven years, is this. Number one, America, unlike any other nation on planet Earth besides Israel, the pilgrims and Puritans entered into a covenant with God based on Deuteronomy 28, which they model after uh, the children of Israel and Moses. And in that covenant, if you obeyed God and his word, and you worshipped God and didn't have idols, God would raise you up, prosper you, defeat your enemies, and you would be a nation raised up above all nations. To an imperfect degree, America did that for a long time. Imperfectly, but we managed to become the most powerful nation in the world, and we were raised up above any other nation on planet Earth, even though we were imperfect. Now, we then made the mistake, like the children of Israel, of violating that covenant, and then all the curses began to come in. The curses on the economy, the curses on the sociology, the curses on uh, being the, the victims in warfare, and on and on and on. The very reason that the Christian church, and I hope your listeners hear this, I would like to shout it from the housetops, the, the bottom line reason that the Christians are under assault, the bottom line reason that pastors 
are an object of ridicule. And yes, they are. Pastors are objects of ridicule. Christians are objects of ridicule. The very fact that our, our values are mocked and that we're despised and looked down upon by the culture, it's not because of how evil the culture is. It is because we have placed ourselves under a curse by violating the covenant of God in Deuteronomy 28. We put ourselves in this position because we rejected worshiping God and we rejected obeying his word. Now, if we'll repent of those things, and that, that repentance has been going on uh, for the last number of years, and I believe a great deal of that repentance occurred during the election, God did a huge breakthrough thing. He gave us a second chance he raised up a secular leader because he couldn't find a Christian leader to be a warrior for God's people. And we need to, to, to appreciate that. But here's the thing. The, the, whole, uh, the whole dynamic with God is whenever his people are repent, repenting, when they're attempting to serve God and have no other gods before them, God will pour out his supernatural blessing his deliverance, and his power. So as long as the church is here, as long as the Antichrist has not come to power and shut the entire thing down, as long as the tribulation judgments have not fully been released, we're in this time zone, uh, and we don't know how long it's going to last, where God is giving us a reprieve. God is giving us a second chance, and anybody who cannot see how Donald Trump plays a pivotal role in this second chance is spiritually blind. Now, our job is to do what Jesus said to do in the last days. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, win souls, make disciples of all nations, or teach them a biblical worldview. But then number three is, Jesus said, occupy until I come. Well, what are we to occupy? As American Christians, it's very specific. The pilgrims and Puritans gave us a land which was blessed by Almighty God because of their covenant with God. That land was called America. And it was a Christian nation, a fountainhead for the winning souls, a light to the nations up until recently. And so when Jesus is saying to American Christians, occupy until I come, occupy what? A church pew? No. It means occupy the land that I gave you to fulfill my purposes. So our job is to obey Jesus, because he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and occupy the land that he gave us. And the reason he gave us this land is he has a purpose and a plan for America in the last days. And if anybody can't do the math or the calculus on that, then they need to stop watching uh, the, you know, the, the best-looking wives in Beverly Hills or whatever the heck they're watching and start reading their Bible again and recognize God has a purpose for every person listening. God has a purpose for America. And, and that purpose is contingent upon obedience to God where he says, occupy until I come, which is also translated as do business until I come. In other words, be faithful with the resources and the wisdom I've given you. Now, I constantly talk to people who, who are telling me, God isn't answering my prayer, and I'm suffering financial misfortune, and I can't find a job, or I don't have favor, and, and it seems like they're under a curse. I try to be very kind, but I listen to them and try to figure out, why are they under a curse? They're under a curse because in their own personal lives, 
they're violating the covenant. Number one is they're not truly worshiping God as God. They're worshiping the false gods of personal peace, of uh, personal prosperity, of materialism. They're worshiping the gods of what's in it for me. So they make all of their decisions, if they're really honest, I don't care how many fish bumper stickers they have on their car, they make all of their decisions based on what's in it for me. And then they're not worshiping God. And then God is speaking to, to them through the word. Like I, the, the verses I shared you from Jesus Christ about occupy until I come, do business until I come, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then I'm polite, but I listen to people talk and I discover they're going to a church which doesn't preach the gospel, which is preaching apostasy. They have not done anything or very little to lay their, life down, lay their lives down for this nation, as Donald Trump, a, a secular person, has. And then they can't, can't figure out why the blessing of God is not on their lives financially and with favor and in many other areas. And I'm just going to tell you flat out, in, in the love of Jesus Christ, and that's why I wrote the book, uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, because I deal with this, if you would repent of the fact that you're not really worshiping God, you've created an idol of God, which is your own private Santa Claus, and if you would repent of the fact that you are not listening to the Word of God when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and occupy until I come, you would find, if you would repent and change your personal course of direction, God would begin to give you unprecedented favor, he would begin to bless and prosper your business. He would bless your entrepreneurial ideas. He would raise you up. You'd be the head and not the tail. And your whole life would be revolutionized. But because you chose to play it safe, and you deliberately, through your self-centeredness, sought out a country club religion where you wouldn't be asked to really do much, just play church, play repentance, sing in a choir, and eat a lot of Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, and maybe play golf, well, guess what? You chose that church because you didn't want to be challenged. You chose that church out of your selfishness because you didn't want somebody to get in your face and said, say, you are part of the army of God, a law-abiding, peaceful army. And as a, a person, male or female, that's part of the army of God, you have a responsibility to your commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, to serve him unquestionably, find your place of duty, and serve the Lord. Then you find the blessing of God comes upon you. But this, this mockery we have of American evangelical Christianity is a joke. It's a self-centered, narcissistic religion that has almost nothing to do with the Bible, except for some token Bible verses. You're, you're exactly right. <clears throat> and you know, with that comes a price. Uh, and I think everyone knows that. I mean, Obviously, if you're not if you're not being obedient, you're under a specific curse, if you will, um, because you're not being obedient. On the other hand, when you become obedient and you take and you start acting your convictions and you uh, you act um, in a biblical with a biblical worldview and in a way 
that we are appointed to act in this time, you're also going to be <clears throat> confronted with a number of issues or a number of problems, different set of problems. Yeah, and right. And USA Today, um, I think it was USA Today, or one of the publications had come out, and this Thanksgiving, more fa- because of this election, there are more family members who are becoming estranged from one another because of the, their different ideologies coming to the surface. So it's, it, you know what, Paul? I mean, I think it's going to cost people relationships. It's going to cost people, uh, family relationships and, and, uh, to become estranged from one another because finally we're having people stand up and say, you know what? I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to tolerate the homosexual behavior. I'm not going to tolerate the abortion. I'm not going to tolerate the wholesale murder of, of innocents. I'm not going to tolerate, well, insert whatever the moral sin is here. I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. So we, too, will pay a price for our obedience as we are paying a price or have paid a price or perhaps we'll pay a price for our disobedience. Is that correct? Yeah, you're right. And it reminds me what Jesus told uh, his disciples. He said that, um, you know, if you follow him, uh, you're going to lose uh, certain kinds of friends. You're going to be rejected. But... Jesus also said, you're going to find a whole lot of better new friends and all kinds of new families. So, you know, we, we try to be as diplomatic as we can. We all have families where people uh, have the opposite viewpoint. We try to be diplomatic. We try to, you know, uh, not deliberately engage in all-out war, especially with the hiddenness of this election. But at some point... You know, you gotta be who you are. And if the price, if the price of a relationship is that you, and this is the way it usually works, is people, people that are liberals and progressives are very, are the most intolerant people I've ever met. They'll demand that you totally shut up and deny all your beliefs. And if you're willing to do that in a family relationship, then you'll be kind of accepted. But the minute you, you know, like a turtle, stick your head out of your shell and say, well, I voted for Trump or, or something Christian, you risk being demonized. And I would suggest that people be wise and diplomatic and not try to pick a fight. But when push, push comes to shove, you may have to disengage in the relationship. Otherwise, you're smothering your soul. And you and you will not... I've been in relationships. I've been at dinner parties and, and, and family gatherings where... I was silent, and the price tag it was like a blanket over me, and I was suffocating. That's not living either. So I lost a bunch of friends and uh, whatever. I tried to be very diplomatic, but finally I said, you know what? So what? I would rather lose. These are not my friends anyway. That's right. And they're my family members. Okay, that's great, but, you know, it's painful. I don't want it to happen, but I'm tired of, you know, uh, I'm tired of suffocating myself because that's a, a form of death. No, it, it it most certainly is, Paul. Uh, Paul, in the couple minutes we have left here, what uh, what should people focus on here? We're, we're going into Black Friday. Obviously, people are going to be shopping. Uh, um, at least the people here in the West, uh, many here in the United States. Um, if if and I know many people in our audience have family members and friends who they wish to awaken. What do you suggest? Um, your DVD set, right? Uh, th- that's a good start. But a prophecy of the future of America, mass awakening. Out of the, out of all of the products, what would you suggest uh, they start out with? And 
Well, maybe a prophecy of the future of America 2016, 2017, because there's a lot of economic information in it that the average person can relate to and how God will provide for you and bless you at the same time from a biblical standpoint. And the DVD set, um, America, what's going to happen next? Because I found out that everybody wants, wants to know what's going to happen next. And in both the book and the DVD, I gave a lot of real hope, uh, real stories of how God prospers his people or anybody who cries out to him and uh, uh, how to walk in, in, in the power and the joy of the Holy Spirit. So I think those resources at paulmcguire.us would help them. And I want to encourage people, don't get caught in the spin cycle of your of cultural washing machine or dryer. Don't get caught, don't get stuck in the spin cycle. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let, don't take all the guilt of your entire life and start massaging it all over yourself. My goal through the holidays is to get through the holidays <laughs> sane. You know, and that takes, you've got to kind of like steer the little, the rowboat in the right position. Exactly. And I find myself with thinking of all, all this guilt and I just let go of it because, you know, what, I I mean, what, what great advice and what great information and inspiration. Paul, thank you so much for your gift of time tonight and, uh, my best, our best to you, your wife, your family, <clears throat> as you celebrate Thanksgiving 2016 with a new mandate, I suppose. And uh, God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Until next time. God bless you and all your listeners. Have a th- happy Thanksgiving in the truest sense of the word. See you again. Amen, brother. All right. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Paul McGuire, PaulMcGuire.us, a good friend of mine, a good friend of the program, someone I really, I really, I like that man. Um, I look up to him. We spent a lot of time together in uh, various, well, in or in Florida and in Texas. And uh, wow, all I can say is wow. You have a private conversation with him. It's just amazing. Going to be right back, Sarah. Where are you at? This pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Um, you know, there's so much going on, so many headlines. By the way, tomorrow Thanksgiving, not a regular program here at Hagman and Hagman. However, please listen to me carefully. Uh, I, I will be in the office tomorrow, and we I will also be ready. Uh, to be broadcasting should anything whatsoever uh, take place tomorrow. Uh, I do intend to release some investigative findings on Hagman Report tomorrow. I know it's just, there's been a log jam, and the reason for that is because there, with, 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 with so much going on, um, we've got to be extremely careful how we report what we, re- I mean, it's got to be the truth and it's got to be verified. And, um, understand that the battle for the executive office is not over. I know, look, I know the improbability of any legal challenges to a Trump victory. I understand that. Please understand when I say this. It is not the improbability. It's not, it's not the actual 
challenge, the legal challenge. It is what is behind it, the legal challenge. It, the people who are acting uh, in concert with, with the globalists in order to keep Trump out of the White House, not that that's going to happen necessarily, or at least not in that fashion. But the again, the the important thing is this: the globalists do not, cannot afford to lose their death grip on power. They're not going to go quietly into the night. That's what I'm focusing on, and this is where our exposure is. And and folks, you really need to understand that. I find it very interesting uh, as well. The FBI just released a, a statement about. You remember the? Um, um, I'm just I'm bringing it up right here. The uh, the guy that. Uh, the 19-year-old um, guy from Stewart or in Stewart, Florida, who um, ate the face, um, uh, ate the, the face off one of individual uh, individuals uh, here recently, Austin Haroff. The uh, you remember the excuses that it was bath salts? It was some sort of hallucinogen that caused this behavior. The analysis of the this uh, suspect or the accused here, um, th- there was no hallucinogen, there was no toxic substance found in his system. The reason I bring this up at this moment in time is because this is an indication of behavior that we are going to be seeing more and more of. Steve Quayle talked about this, and Pastor Langford here coming at the top of the next hour, I'm sure will may just address this before before going on uh i do want to mention folks if you have not taken advantage of this already go to minuteman um folks go to uh minutemanstove.com that's minutemanstove.com i apologize for for uh stumbling over that uh sorry lane uh minutemanstove.com right now in fact they're running a special between now and cyber monday midnight monday they're running a special. Get a Minuteman stove. This is a gift to you, folks. Uh, Minuteman stove. You, you place an order for a stove from now until midnight on Cyber Monday. Use the promo code Hagman, uh, and you will receive a Minuteman rocket stove plus, and this is really a great deal, a free forever size half inch. It's the big one. A 100,000 strikes um, fire striker. A free one pound bag of Maya sticks for fire starting for tinder and also free shipping. That comes out to a savings of $63. It's a, it's a, it's a great deal. Minutemanstove.com. That's minutemanstove.com. Enter the promo code Hagman, but you've got to do it between now and Cyber Monday. And I, look, I just was, I got some information here. I don't know how many more of these they have in stock before they have to go into reproduction on this. So please, Hurry with your orders. Minutemanstove.com, promo code Hagman for a complete savings of $63 in the free items. So again, very important. Now, this, uh, here, this, for the remainder of this hour, folks, I, I want to tell you something. When I was in Dallas, Texas in March, um, I, I met someone down there who really impressed the heck out of me with respect to her knowledge of all things related to survival and preparations and eventualities, how to prepare for eventualities. But she had one specific, very one very, very specific line of interest. And I never really understood the importance of this until I listened to her and I, and I started talking with her. And her name is Lucinda Bailey. She's a tremendously intelligent 
experienced uh, person in the well, you, you've heard us talking about seeds, for example. Well, Eric and I were talking earlier today during one of our meetings here at the studio, and uh, we were talking about, about the holiday coming up, Black Friday, but, you know, when everyone waits in line for everything, the, the new TVs and the new radios, the new appliances, Black Friday. Oh, yeah, Cyber Monday coming up and Black Friday and all the specials. And he said to me, and, and this was pretty profound, I thought, he said, you know, why not? Give your family, your friends, the gift of food, but not in the traditional sense, a gift of life in the form of seeds. And, and, and this is true. I'm not making this up. Uh, and, and the reason, one of the reasons he, he said this is because we had, in fact, if you're watching this on video, hang on, hang on. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> We had this on the table. For those, yeah, I'm out of breath now. Uh, no, for those uh, listening via Global Star, this is from Texas Ready. This is a food bank from, or a, I'm sorry, a seed bank from from TexasReady.net. That's TexasReady.net. If you can see this on the video, see, this is a, a 50 caliber ammo can that contains just an incredible supply of seeds, heirloom seeds, regionally appropriate for our area, certified seeds. And I didn't know any of this. So what I did was this. Because it's Black Friday coming up, entering Cyber Monday and all of this, people are off shopping, wondering what to get your family, your friends, your coworkers, whatever, if that's what you do for Christmas. I, we thought, Eric and I thought, and JD, and, and the whole crew thought, look, before people can make an informed decision, they probably should hear about, well, hear about this, this from an expert. So we asked Lucinda Bailey if she would take the time out tonight, step away from the turkey, step away from the turkey now, come on and, and explain to us what we need to know about seeds and about Texas Ready because before we make a purchase, maybe we should be a little bit more informed. So with us right now is Lucinda Bailey. Lucinda, thanks for Thanks for taking time out from your busy schedule on this uh, night before Thanksgiving. I know you're you're cooking. I know that, but thanks for joining us tonight. Um, but it's just a real delight to um, address your audience, and it was tremendous meeting you and your son at Hear the Watchman in the Dallas area in March of this year. And um, I had been an avid listener to the the Hagman uh, broadcast, and uh, it's just been so uh, interesting to hear how your uh, ministry has been growing by leaps and bounds, and uh, people are hungry for the truth, I think. And so... Um, you know, you handle the, the spiritual, political, and socioeconomic, and and uh, Kurt Nock and myself at Texas Ready are blessed to be able to help people with the food preparation uh, portion of it. Well, um, we know, know that... The, 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 there's just so much to know about this, and the, the thing is, Lucinda, what struck me as really being, uh, is being important is there are people out there who are um, entering into the the realm of preparation they want to be prepared but they don't know what they're doing and i was one of them and to a large extent i still am in some areas so that's why this is so important to have you explain um what we what we as consumers should invest in as opposed to uh what we would normally invest in erroneously so thank you for that i, I think the typical um prepper um 
thinks if I just go to Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, and buy a few packages of seeds, I'm going to be okay. Well, there's a couple problems with that that, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to just um, kind of highlight so that um, everyone will have a, a, a greater vision for what their family is really going to need. The first um, major problem is that most of these operations, box stores, et cetera, buy on a national distribution model. Congratulations, if you're from Kansas, the seeds in the packet might work. Now, you go ahead, and we've all had this happen. We purchase a couple packets or whatever. We plant them, and something doesn't come up, doesn't germinate. Well, there's so many uh, factors that come into bearing, but maybe those seeds aren't really suited for your geographical area. So you really do need a collection of seeds. We all know that, but... They've got to work in your, your zip code. And so uh, Texas Ready has two regional types of seeds. If I go to Maine and do a conference, I'm not going to be bringing the same seeds that I had with me at Dallas when I was uh, meeting you folks. Um, so we take into consideration um, your agriculture growing zone. And there are, um, the United States is broken down into um, three, four, five which um, would be our northern kit, and then zones six, seven, eight, nine uh, for the southern kit. And so um, if you're up north, you are not going to have time to grow a 60-pound watermelon. But if you're in the south, you could. And so I'm going to give you the best deal in the south. I'm going to get you those watermelons that can provide, you know, an abundance of food. Parsnips do not grow very well in the south so I will never sell a parsnip but you in the north New England you're famous for your you know pot roast dinners with parsnips and carrots and onions and so forth and so we want to make sure that regional eating you know considerations are um, you know part of our kits as well you know that, that that's so vital to me because again here we are as consumers we and, and Ladies and gentlemen, you, you can tune into any, uh, just about any, uh, media program like ours, and there will be people that'll come on and say, here, here's seed kits, or here, here's this product or that product, and it's wrong for you based on your geographic location, and so we, we need to protect our listeners, protect ourselves, educate ourselves, because we certainly don't want in a time of, of need to not have exactly what we need when we need it. And that's why I was so impressed with you. So, go ahead. Well, the other thing um, is that most people are not buying certified seed. And, um, you know, we at Texas Ready know the difference between um, seed that um, is often sold over the Internet. It, it may be an heirloom. An heirloom, by the way, is a seed that is an open pollinated variety. It's been consistently produced for over 25 years. So heirloom is the kind of seed that a prepper or someone preparing for the future would be interested in. The other types of seeds are hybrids. Now, the way that you can easily understand this is if you have a lab and I have a poodle that get together, they're going to produce a very cute little designer dog, a Labradoodle. You know, it's big money, okay? But yep. the next generation of dogs is neither lab, poodle. It's really going to be a mutt. It's not going to go to any um, dog show and win any kind of contest. So in the garden... What you do is you have um, one species and a second species. They get together and they produce 
really strong, that first cross. That's called the F1 filial 1 cross. It's in genetics. And that is the strongest plant that you're going to get. And so most of the seeds sold at Lowe's, Home Depot, the box stores, etc., are going to be these hybrids. The problem is that the next generation is really problematic. You have three outcomes that are not suitable for a prepper or for someone that's trying to be um, self-sufficient. The three results are as follows. Um, About 50% of the next generation uh, plants are going to be sterile, sterile like a mule. Um, 25% of them are going to revert up the genetic chain. They're not going to look like what was on the packet. And you have no control and I have no control, but we're just not going to know what it's going to look like. And then the third uh, possible outcome is it could be a mutant. You plant a cucumber, but you really get um, a gourd. So that's not going to be very helpful if you're trying to, you know, be food self-sufficient. If an economic event, you know, happened and you and I were called upon to provide our own food for our families, we have got to depend on the old-time seeds, the open-pollinated and then we only sell the heirloom, um, so they're they're 25 years or more of of um, um, production that is dependable. And so um, I pay a little extra to get the the heirlooms. Now here's another thing that that your folks should be looking for. They should ask for certified seeds. Now what that means is that with each crop that comes in, we require our farmers and our co-ops to provide certification from an independent lab as to the germination rate, the noxious weed content, and some of the genetics. So we um, do that even before we, we would consider putting it into our test gardens. Then we take the seed and we grow it out one or two seasons just to see how it's going to work. And we've got test gardens. Um, We've been doing this a long time, so we've um, checked out many, many breeds. If they don't perform well for us, I don't care if they're certified or not. We're not going to put them in the kit Um, because we want the stuff that's the easiest to grow and will produce in the shortest number of days the calories that you're looking for. An unbelievable... um, we need to be providing 1 million calories per year per person. Now, that sounds like a, a complete mountain. It, mm-hmm. it sounds outrageous, but do the math. Divide 1 million by 365, and you're coming to about 2,700 calories a day. Now, the U.S. Army says that under military conditions, under warfare conditions, um, you're going to need 3,000 to 3,600 calories or more um, on the days that you're, you know, exerting that kind of energy. And believe me, if if the economy craters, you and I are going to have plenty of things to do that we are not doing today. And so keeping your calories up is going to be critical. So um, we've tried to to look at all those things. Uh, Within our kits, we also have balanced nutrition. Um, We've had both agronomists and nutritionists take a look at our um, schedule of um, seeds. And, um, no, we don't grow every single vegetable that's available. We wouldn't do artichokes, for example, even though I love them. um, But they take 72 months to produce. Well, that's not very helpful. So that's not a good use of the garden space. So we would not put that into the, the kits. 
Um, but we would put stuff that produces quickly, like we have radishes that in 28 days you could be eating a radish along with your, your lettuces that also we can get you to, to start eating in about 28 days. Um, you know, other things take a little bit longer and we, we provide educational materials in most of our kits that help someone um, like myself, who did not take very good notes at the knee of my grandmother, who was quite good at this, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we in America have lost in one generation uh, the ability to um, provide food for ourselves. And so, um, like during the Depression, the Great Depression, 90% of the people could still grow you know, food in their backyard. Well, that's not the case anymore. I would doubt that less than 5% of America could provide, you know, food out of their quarter acre subdivision lot. And yet, it can be done. And so we provide educational materials that show exactly how that, you know, can happen. Which I'm glad you do. And and I I don't want to be the one. Here we preach, we teach, we, we warn about events supply disruptions and everything all the all the possibilities and then we say well go out and buy buy long-term storable food go out and buy this or go out and buy that uh to be prepared fully prepared to fully be prepared and i realized that with that comes the responsibility you know doug you better be sure because um i'm going to be held accountable at the end of the day and and listen to so are you Okay, so you've put together a Cadillac. Uh, I mean, the Cadillac. You, you've thought, I, I really don't, uh, I've never seen, um, this says, I never knew there was that much research to go into a survival seat kit or a seat well, kit. Actually, I I, yeah, actually, how we got started was, um, we, my business partner and I, um, realized, um, the economy was not doing very well. I had been in financial services. That was like, not a going place job. I didn't want the burden of giving people wrong advice, so I just got out of that um, industry. Um, But I wanted to provide for my own family, so I thought, oh, I'll just get on the Internet and get a kit. And I started looking at what was available to Americans. This was five, six years ago, and I was just aghast because from my previous gardening experience, um, which I had done um, as a child in Michigan, I just knew that some of these kits, people would actually starve to death. They would do very well under one season, but they didn't have enough calories. They didn't have the root crops that were going to provide some of that um, 2,700 calories a day that's going to be needed to keep you in good health. They didn't provide, um, you know, the right nutrition, so people are going to get scurvy. They're going to get rickets. So um, at that point, I spent about three or four months putting a kit together for our family and friends. And at that point, we realized you know, we, because our kit was vastly superior to anything on the market at that time, most of the kits are sold in packaging that rats could eat right through in 10 minutes. So that concerned us. We didn't ever want that to happen to um, our customers. So that's one of the reasons we went to the military grade or the, you know, the ammo cans. They're grab-and-go gardens virtually. So we, we buy um, ammo cans by the pallet and clean them up and and uh, spray paint them and get them all ready and, and suitable, cleaned up to... Um, you know, be the be the permanent housing for seeds. And seeds last, by the way, four to six years. Many, many people that are in the seed business are, are 
giving you the line of 20 years. I've even heard 50 yeah. years. It's completely not true. Now, I'm expecting grid down. If, if it comes to the fact that I have to provide my own food, I'm expecting a possible grid interruption, grid down. That means refrigeration and freezing are not going to be available. It is possible to save certain seeds for a long period of time if they're frozen and if they're frozen in nitrogen. Well, I know you and I do not have those kind of refrigeration devices. Those are $1 million per per device. So um, that idea that the seeds are really going to last that long is just absurd. And uh, so that, that question just really hounded us, and I went up to Fort Collins, Colorado, and um, talked to the National Seed Saving Lab. These are the world's experts, by the way. Showed them our packaging, showed them um, what we were about, and they said, absolutely, it could not be improved. You're using exactly the right thickness of plastic when you're you know, saving your seeds. You've got the right amount of oxygen available to the seeds. Seeds being living organisms should not be vacuumed. Uh, sealed, by the way. And again, a lot of um, seed salespeople are, are doing that, and they're uh, taking yep. their yep. their marching orders from how they preserve fruit. When I'm saving, you know, wheat in five-gallon drums, yes, I want to get all that oxygen out. That's proper. But when I'm saving seeds, which I want to be living organisms, there has to be a, a small amount of oxygen transfer um, in order to preserve the right amount of germination. So it is a very complicated deal. And um, so, so that's why we've gone ahead and gotten the education ourselves, and we have resources um, on board, I believe, in ongoing education, and um, have, in fact, um, gotten the equivalent of a master's degree in um, seed saving and agriculture, just so I could properly advise our customers. Um, and advise you, too. You know, okay. Ms. Bailey, and I want to thank you so much for, for your, uh, because you invest a lot of time. The research that, that is behind your product is incredible. Um, we got about three minutes left. Can you just tell our listeners, because, and folks, I stand behind this. I mean, I stand 100% behind TexasReady.net. I guarantee this with my reputation. I mean, this is the best. Um, we have three minutes left, uh, Lucinda. Um, God, just go ahead and take it away. Uh, finish up. All right. We would love your, your folks to come and take a look at us. We have lots of extra free information on our website. Find us at www.texasready.net. And um, we just believe that any American that wants to grow the food that they need for their families um, should have the good tools to do it, the good research, because if the Internet goes away, the computer goes away. So we want you to have the uh, correct books. I've read about 300 books in order to narrow it down to the six or so that you're going to need. Those six are featured on our web pages. And we do have a system of gardening called the Mitlighter gardening course, which produces, we um, have documentation that you can, on a quarter acre subdivision lot, produce enough to support a family of four, and we tell you how to do that. And this can be done in any soil, any climate, and that's the really nice thing about this particular garden system. It's been 
uh, tested all over the world in every single soil uh, type and weather pattern. So that may, means that if you're my customer from Maine or Texas, Florida or uh, Washington, it's going to work, and um, it's been proven. Um, the other thing is you can pick up the phone and call me with your agriculture questions. We want every American um, to get their answers quickly while they can, so we do make ourselves available. And um, between now and Monday, um, we are offering free shipping on any of our kits. I don't know if you, you knew that we were going to wow. do a Hagman special, but no. um, if you can just put the Hagman code, write Hagman, and then we'll know to give you free shipping. And if you were to order our largest seed bank called the Treasury, that's $65 off right there. So it's, it's um, a bank. It's it's a it's a heck of a buy, and let me tell you, I so appreciate you, your company, your dedication, but offering our listeners that special. Uh, that's between now and Monday, right? Sunday night. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna be talking more, Miss Bailey, because you you are just an incredible treasure of information, and certainly we're gonna be talking more about TexasReady.net, your product, which again I absolutely stand 100% behind and uh, you know you know we, we put you through the paces for information before we agreed to even uh, uh offer your product so thank you we're glad thank you glad to be part of your family thank All you right. so much god bless folks remember right back stay right where you at pastor david langford coming right up During the break, uh, Eric the Tech is over here and, and uh, humming the theme, the, yeah, humming the theme song to Green Acres. You remember that show, right? 1965-ish, a simpler time, right? Mr. Haney, he was my favorite, though. Yeah, he, he, he had, he had, uh, he had, uh, he had goods for everything. Uh, he, he was Mr. Haney from Green Acres. Remember him? Remember Green Acres? I know there's a whole bunch of millennials out there saying, what? What are you talking about? You know, there's signs in the heavens as well of Florida fireball, massive fireball, blazes through the skies of Florida and and gets people talking about, well, is there going to be an alien invasion? That's where people's minds gravitate. Isn't that interesting? Um it's just, it's interesting. Of course, it's, uh, linked off of Drudge Report right now, uh, re- being reported by the sun where a dazzling fireball spotted by hundreds of people streaks across the sky, across Florida. And people were calling 911 saying, um, are, are, is there an alien? I mean, are aliens invading us? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. Now, now think about that in the context of something really big going down. All right. Yeah. We know, folks, we know that there are things that are going to be taking place supply disruptions, which is why. And I just want to recap this before bringing Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism.com on. This is why we had uh, Lucinda Bailey asked her to come on. Uh, not because it's, she didn't want to come on because to sell a product here. She wanted to come on because people are being misled with respect to um, purchasing items such as seeds. For example, that's a, that, that, that's an important investment. You cannot afford financially or afford in the greater sense 
making a mistake on something like that. So that's why we asked her to come on. And I would urge everyone to take advantage of the free shipping. The, uh, the, the big, uh, ammo can full of seeds is, uh, uh, yeah, it's heavy. That's right. It's heavy. It's $65 worth of shipping. Uh, that free. Okay. Until Monday. So take advantage. Use the promo code Hagman. But that's why we asked her to come on. And, uh, we, time is too short, uh, to be giving bad advice about products. Time is too short to be giving bad biblical advice, which is why we have America's pastor and certainly our personal pastor. Pastor David Langford on with us to talk about what we need to be thinking about in these perilous times. Pastor David Langford, a good friend of the program, good friend of mine, a man I look up to, a walking spiritual encyclopedia, biblical encyclopedia, and great spiritual advisor. Pastor Langford, thanks for joining us on this Eve, Thanksgiving Eve. Thanks for, thanks for being part of our program. Well, it's a great joy to be with you and to share the Word of God. And I remember Green Acres. I remember the Ziffles. They had the pet hog, Arnold. That's you remember right. him? <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh, well, we're getting my old, uh, we're getting oh, old, I, uh, I guess so. You know, I, I mean, I thought I was doing good remembering Mr. Haney and the guy at the post office. I can't remember him, but uh, anyway, yeah, the, Arnold the pig. That's right. Oh, yeah, he would just jump up like a dog and run through the house. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, wow. Well, you know. It's uh, it's great to have you on. I, I know that you were just on recently, but it's not Wednesdays, folks, is uh, Pas- uh, Pastor David Langford, Voice of Evangelism. Every Wednesday, is, he's agreed to come on and, and, and kind of give us a spiritual check, uh, an inspirational B12 shot of spiritual and biblical wisdom. Uh, so thanks for doing that. Where, Pastor, where do you want to start? What do you want to get into tonight? You know, I, I want to encourage people tonight. Um, Good. You know, it, it, this is a, a time of the year. When a lot of people get very depressed, they get discouraged because of maybe uh, death, bereavement in the home, the family, or maybe from this time last year, and they're still uh, discouraged and still depressed um, because of circumstances that are very prevailing in their lives. And um, I was just wanting to encourage the people tonight from the Word of God. Um, you know, we all get beat down, get beat up, or whatever you want to term it, life is very difficult. Uh, life is arduous. Uh, as my kid said growing up, Daddy, that's not fair. Uh, it doesn't take a child long to understand what is fair and equitable, but uh, they, they've learned real quick uh, injustices or punishment or bad things may happen, and uh, they happen to, to, to good people, righteous people, godly people. As a matter of fact, I believe the more godly you are, uh, the greater your persecution, the greater your suffering. Second uh, Timothy 3.12, Paul said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Job's testimony, his life, is a testimony of his godliness. And for that reason, he became a pawn in the hands of Satan. And, uh, you know, God said, you can do anything you want to, but you can't take his life. And so he did everything he could to, uh, to emotionally, physically, spiritually abuse the man of God. But thank God the man of God did not capitulate. But God had faith and confidence in him. I want to read a, a passage tonight from Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. We'll kind of exegete that. Uh, it's a passage.
saved, I've committed to memory because it speaks volumes to me. When I'm out and, and I don't have a Bible to turn to, I can always go to my heart and bring that resource up to my remembrance. But Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, Paul is addressing the church here at Rome and wanting to encourage them uh, that there was nothing that could separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, we shared last week, I believe, from Romans 5 and 5, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Jesus said in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love hath no man that is that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And so nothing in this world has the ability to separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, I suppose one of the greatest problems with most people, they are being encapsulized in this flesh. We, we, we just seemingly dwell on the flesh, our difficulties, our problems, and, and that is human nature. I mean, I would be derelict if I said it was not. But this is why it's imperative to get in the Word of God and try to walk in the Spirit and just see how great God is. Um, as I grow older, I, I realize the brevity of life is, is very short. And, um, you know, I've spent most of my life to be realistic. I'll be 62 years old my birthday in February. So, you know, the better part of my life has, life has been spent. But all through the years in serving Christ, he, he has never been away from me. And I have chosen to stay with him in spite of the difficulties. And Paul begins by asking us, can tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? No. And uh, we know there is coming great tribulation. The word tribulation in the Greek is philipsis. It's the same word in the Greek everywhere you read the word tribulation or tribulations in the Bible. Uh, John sixteen thirty three in the world... You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It's the same word there. Uh, John 1, 9, I mean, excuse me, uh, Revelation 1, 9. Uh, John said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Uh, John there ties the tribulation and the kingdom of God together. They are inextricably attached. And so... Tribulation, of course, brings suffering. And, of course, Paul says, shall tribulation or distress, and the word distress there in the, the Greek simply means anguish, you know, pain, personal pain, emotional pain, uh, that, you, you know, you can't get away from it because it's not in the flesh, it's, it's in the, the spirit, the mind, the emotion. And then he says persecution. Well, we're witnessing a lot of that, and that will accelerate I've seen uh, a gentleman today, some CEO of some company, if you voted for Donald Trump, he, he doesn't want your business, he doesn't want you buying from him, he wants to totally 
ostracize you and cut you off and yeah, that's the personification of racism and that's what they say they stand for is unity acceptance but it shows you as we have spoke about this for the last several weeks uh, how the lawlessness is going to just grow exponentially and these people just like this gentleman I don't know what company he owned he was out I think of Phoenix Arizona but he didn't want he doesn't want your business he doesn't want anything to do with you if you voted for Donald Trump and so no tolerance and yet that's what they preach is we all must be tolerant and accept what but it shows you the the hypocrisy uh, the real ones who have disdain and contempt for humanity, not not the Christians. Then Paul goes as far as to talk about famine. Uh, if, if we're literally without food, can that separate us from God? Or nakedness. Uh, if we're if we're homeless and we have no clothing, we have no shelter. Or peril. Uh, dangers. Uh, circumstances that are very uh, tenuous uh, to our personal lives. Or sword. Whether that's war or um, someone actually being murdered or what, but Paul was trying to emphasize nothing can separate us from the love of God, and uh, of course, thirty verse thirty six is a is a kind of a question. As it is written, it's a quote, but from Psalms. But as it is written, for Thy sake are we we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Um, Sometimes we feel like that as Christians, that we're just dumb, ignorant sheep, and we're we're counted for the slaughter. But Paul rebuts that by saying, nay, you know, we're, 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 it's not like that. And that's how the enemy, Satan, would love for us to perceive our lives and, and what's taking place. But he said, nay. And all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And uh, a conqueror, is is someone who has been able to conquer whatever the situation was. Uh, years ago, we used to watch, Doug, you remember the heavyweight title fights, and if you've ever got to oh, be yeah. the number one contender, uh, you, you had an opportunity to, to fight for the title. And um, But you see, as believers, we are more than conquerors because we didn't have to go to the cross and be nailed to it physically and marred and mutilated and eviscerated. Jesus did that for us. Second Corinthians 5.21, Paul said, For he hath made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And uh, so we didn't have to go through all of that, uh, being spat upon and, and beaten profusely. So as a believer, we are more than conquerors. Because we have all of the blessings, we have all of the benefits, we have the promise of eternal life, we have a guarantee of a, a day when there will be a resurrection of the righteous uh, dead who died in Christ, and uh, or if we are alive at his coming, uh, we are more than a conqueror because we'll be changed, Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one, we'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And then he goes through a litany. And he's convinced. He says, for I am persuaded. His relationship with Christ convinced him of these things. Uh, Paul, what a great, great man of God, a great example. But his life was a life of perpetual suffering. Um, there's a passage in Second Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 8 and 9, 
and 10 says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So Paul is talking here to the church at Corinth, and he said, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant or not knowing the trouble which came to us when we were on our missionary trip in Asia. He said, we were pressed out of measure. And when I look at that verse, it tells me that they were pressed so vehemently, so adamantly, that there was no way to measure it. There was no uh, way to measure it, whether through a a ruler or a a weight or any kind of a scale. There was just no way. He said, we were pressed out of measure. You, You couldn't measure how pressed we were. Above strength. Uh, we, we were pressed above our natural strength. And this is where it then takes faith in God. Because a man can only endure so much in the natural. His mind, his soul, and his spirit, all three, can only endure so much in the natural. And when I say spirit, I mean in the natural spirit. This, everyone has a soul, of course, but even in the natural body, a person can only endure so much so he said it was above our strength. So what was, he do- what was he doing? He was having to trust in a greater strength, a greater power, a greater resource. The pressing out of measure and above their natural strength was so much that we despaired even of life. Now, you know, it's got to be pretty ominous, uh, pretty disparaging when you say, you know, life is not even worth living. But there was a reason for this. You know, sometimes God takes us to a place that we're totally uncomfortable with. And when when God takes us to a place where we're totally uncomfortable, that is to grow us. That is to mature us. That is to nurture us and to stretch our faith, just like stretching a rubber band. He wants to stretch us sometimes, and we don't feel like we can be stretched. But God will only stretch us as far as he knows he can stretch us. He knew how much Job could endure. He knew Job's heart better than Job knew his own heart. God knows my heart. He knows all of our hearts better than we know our own hearts. And we don't know our hearts sometime until we're tested. And um, the enemy can test us or, or, or try us, and of course God will allow that, not to hinder us, to defeat us, but to grow us and to mature us. And so he said we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why would God allow them to be sentenced to death? That word sentence in the Greek means the verdict was death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves. God sometimes will take us to a place a position, a particular posture in life where he says, I don't want you no longer trusting yourself because if you're trusting in yourself, you're not trusting in me. And uh, I I would admittedly tonight, uh, I don't trust myself because I am fallible. I'm human. Uh, I can only endure so much as a man 
Philippians 4, 13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You know, if, if God gives us the grace and gives us the strength, we can endure anything. But Paul is telling the church here at Corinth, God has brought us this way and allowed us to have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. So he's trying to get Paul to understand, I am your sole resource. You know, we, we it's good to trust in people. It's good to have confidence in people. Uh, but Psalms 118, verse 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. I, you know, and that means self-confidence. Uh, you know, self-confidence can turn into arrogance and pride and, and, and become overly robust and thinking, I can do this myself. But Paul said, God took us to a place in our missionary pilgrimage that we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death. Now, I love verse 10 here in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, because we've all quoted the verse, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've heard that verse quoted many times. Well, Paul says that in this verse here, verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death, delivered, past tense. Then he says, and doth deliver. Well, now that's present tense. In whom we trust, futuristic, that he will yet deliver us. So Paul said we have trusted God. We've seen how he's delivered us in time past. Presently, he's delivering us, and we trust that he will yet deliver us. So he has trust, faith, hope in the future, in the promises of God. And so, bringing that back now to Romans chapter 9, uh, excuse me, Romans 8, verse 37, 38, 39, Paul said, Nay, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All of this is based upon God's exceeding love for his people. Um, you know, a lot of people today question, are they loved? Um, I was speaking at my wife today. Especially was, now. Yeah, Especially yeah. now, given the conditions the, and the time of year. Exactly. You know, my wife and I were, I was cutting up with her today. She mentioned about telling her that I love her more. And I said, I told you I loved you when you married, don't, when I married you, so don't forget it. <laughs> you know, trying to be a little bit comical there. But, but. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting over my beating. <laughs> but, but, you know, the love of God, you know, that's why it's called the agape. There's nothing like it. It's, it's not maternal or paternal, uh, husband, wife. It, it, it's, it's a love that no man can understand. You know, I, I look at my life, and, and, you know, God should have let me die in my sins. He just should have wrote me off. I was a worthless piece of trash, a scumbag. He just should have let me die, but he, he wouldn't do that. He didn't, he didn't even suffer me to, to die in my sins and, and been eternally lost, but he, he went after me. He went after you. He went after those that are born again. He went after us. He loved us so much he didn't want to leave us. In that situation, uh, and that's that's just something that's hard to fathom because as 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 human beings, we get hurt, 
And uh, we have the tendency sometimes to cut people off and say, I'm done with you. But, you know, God can do that. He has done that. But that's not his will. You know, Genesis 6-3, he said, My spirit will not always strive or contend with mankind. Uh, God was doing everything he could to save people, but they just wouldn't listen. And the earth became so corrupt, he had to destroy it under the Noatic, the Noatian flood. There was, there was no recourse. You know, and when God said, It repented me that I made man, he wasn't repenting of sin. He was heartbroken. He was grief-stricken. I know people sometimes don't think that God uh, has pain. Oh, God has a lot of pain. You know, uh, when Jesus was there at the, the tomb of Lazarus, the shortest verse in the Bible, most people know it, John eleven thirty five says Jesus wept. He was he was heartbroken because of their their the magnitude of their unbelief, and uh, he was the Son of the Living God. And people, some of them just couldn't embrace that, you know. And and sometimes uh, it's hard for people to. Understand that no matter what, God loves you. And one of the greatest things I have learned about people in life, they fail to forgive themselves. You know, God can forgive you. It's, yeah, yeah, it's done, it's over with, it's buried, it's forgotten. But somehow we just can't forgive ourselves. And we, we let the devil beat us to death. Uh, because, see, he, 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 he does not know what you think. But he watches how you respond to his fiery darts. You know, there are times I I come to my office to pray, and I don't say anything verbally, audibly, I should say. But I pray in my mind. I don't want the devil to hear some of the things I want to say to God. He's not a mind reader. And furthermore, as he shoots the fiery darts at your life, and you react to those darts, and you respond or react in a particular way, or you say something or do something, he sees it's working. And so he stokes it the much more. And, and, and I've learned that a lot of times, you know, people say, well, I, I, just, I just can't live right. I, I just, you know, I fail. Hey, listen, we all have fallen. We all have failed. It's like I've said, but I've never quit. That's, that's what everyone needs to know tonight. You don't ever quit. It's a terrible thing to fall, but it's a worse thing to stay there. Get up. Get up. You know, I, I, when I put on a suit of clothes, I hate to get that suit dirty with, with grease or something like that. But it happens sometimes accidentally. So I just have to get the suit dry cleaned. But my point is, I don't throw the suit away. You know, it's, it still has a lot of wear. It's still valuable. And uh, so we, 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 we have to understand, just because we have missed the mark, God didn't just throw us on the heat pile. He didn't throw Peter away. You know, he, he didn't, you know, he, he loved him. He, he loved him, you know, and uh, he, he didn't want to lose him. He, I don't believe Jesus, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, but I believe Judas is carried, could have came and repented just like Peter repented and been restored. But the guilt, the condemnation, and the unforgiveness of his own deeds, he went and he hanged himself. You see, uh, just, uh, Matthew 27, 3, he came back in the temple, threw down the 30 pieces of silver, and he said, I have condemned the innocent blood. I have condemned it. So he, the fact he condemned the, the blood of Jesus, that condemnation and guilt was so strong, he condemned himself to hanging himself. And, and you know what, Pastor, especially around this time of year, around the holidays in the West, 
we see this where the lack, our inability to forgive ourselves for past deeds or even for, uh, you know, regressions that we, current regressions, the, the fact that we have been forgiven, but yet we cannot let go ourselves is, is insulting in my view to God, uh, but also, I mean, what greater sacrifice uh, you know, That's right. So, and I understand this, but 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 folks, see if you're in that if you're in that mindset right now, listen to what Pastor David Langford is saying because it's so important. You are loved and you are forgiven. We're gonna be right back. Stay right where you're at. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Hagman and Hagman Report, Pastor David Langford is our very special guest on this night before Thanksgiving. That's right, step away from your turkeys and uh, turn up the volume on this broadcast. Sorry, another another segment here, and then you get back to your baking and your your roasting and your basting and your you know reaching into the carcass and taking out the gizzards. I'll be doing that tomorrow. My wife never does that. I'll be doing- See, now that's our, that's our studio dog, uh, making her appearance tonight. Actually, my wife just came to the studio to say hello, brought back a lady, the studio dog, and then the door shut and she barked. So there you have it. The whole story now. All right. Uh, again, Pastor David Langford from the voice of evangelism.com. We're talking about, uh, right before the break, we're talking about, uh, the, the failure to forgive ourselves for things. And I remember this. <clears throat> In fact, this was, excuse me, this was the, when I was younger, when I was working on emergency medical services and emergency services, I, I would work all holidays and usually the day before and the day after because nobody with a family wanted to work those days. So I remember um, responding to a, it was, it was actually, I, I'm not going to do the math, but it was the night before Thanksgiving in 1977. I remember it was, like, it was 77 or 78 in that time period. And, um, um, it was, it was around 10 o'clock at night and we got a, we got a call for a, um, an emergency, uh, medical emergency. We got to the house and there was a woman there. She was in her early twenties and <clears throat> she, all she could do is point to a room, went into the room and <clears throat> here was a 25 year old male. The woman was pregnant. It was her husband who stuck a um, thirty-eight in his mouth and blew his brains out on the night before Thanksgiving. And and there was a child there, and there was a, a wife. He had a child and uh, walking. I don't know how old. I can't remember, but I remember the wife saying, "You know, he um, he had done some things, and he, he he could not forgive himself." Now I'm not making this up. I I mean, I, you don't. You just don't forget stuff like that. He just, there was stuff that he had done and, uh, of a very personal nature, of course, that he disappointed his wife and family and, um, he had lost his job like earlier that month 
and among other things. But he carried a lot of, around a lot of guilt. And the reason I mention that is because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this broadcast who are in that mindset. Don't do that because your family, your family cares about you and God cares about you. But I just, I, I remember that so vividly. What happened after, because he, he certainly would, did not, he would not make it, of course, and the family afterwards to see that family fractured, completely broken by his actions. It just, it, to this day, I remember that. Pastor, uh, go ahead, sir. It, it, those events, and I've had to deal with them as a minister, it's just tragic. And, and, and I, I want to say this. I don't say this to be ugly, uh, condescending, or to impinge anyone, but that's one of the most selfish acts that a person can do because now that child or that mother is left picking up more broken pieces. You know, I concluded a long time ago, and I'm sure a lot of people listening uh, tonight have had suicidal thoughts and have thought about that, and they thought that's that's the way out. But what you do, the people that you leave behind, you have compounded their problems exponentially. They, they can't even be measured. I was preaching a while ago, or teaching, whatever you want to call it. They're immeasurable. You just can't measure now the gravity. And here's another thing. When someone takes their life, that wife in that living room, Doug, she now takes on the blunt of the guilt. It's somehow my fault. Somehow now it's well, my true. fault that he took his life. See, this is why, and I'm not being ugly. I, I really feel like the Lord wanted me to talk about some of these things tonight because I don't, you've heard me say this, I don't sermonize. Uh, I refuse to do that. I want to be led by the Spirit. But having dealt with these situations, then when that person takes their life, the the persons that are left behind now have this overwhelming feeling of guilt. I did something, or I didn't do something, or I could have done something, or stopped something, or or whatever. We, you know, the mind is is a, is an unbelievable mechanism, and um, and 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 it's like a machine. You know, sometimes our minds are running so fast. If they were gears, they would burn up. The thoughts, the processing, et cetera, et cetera, and it's just overwhelming. And um, and then the persons that are left behind, they're like, oh my God, now what did I do or didn't do, or what did I do wrong? And so they don't understand. I've had a lot of people call me through the years, and they're going to commit suicide. And I let them pour their hearts out. And then as a general rule, I I know these people modestly. And uh, and I, I would always say something like this. When your youngest son stands beside your casket, and he's 12 or 13 years old, he's crying uncontrollably missing you, begging you, asking you why. What, how, do you, how, do you think, how do you think your family now is going to feel? And usually when I begin to show them the other side, they, they change their minds very quickly. Because that's why I say it's a selfish act, because they're not thinking about nobody but themselves. I don't say that to be cruel. But every time I've had someone to call me and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill myself. You know, and really what they were doing was reaching out to me to get a stern. They, they know my personality. They know I'll be very rigid <laughs> and, yes. and stoke them right back. And I let them, I don't, I don't say a word. I let them pour their hearts out and their little pity party. I just let them, let them talk it. And then when they get through, 
I point out a picture of them that they have not once thought about. And the people that have always called me and I've talked to, not one of us ever went and committed suicide. Not, not because I'm something great. God is the divine uh, intervention, not David Lankford. But I, I, showed, I painted them a picture of something that they had never once considered because they were so overwhelmed, whether it be depression or what. You know, I, I, want, I want to share that story from a scriptural perspective. You know, after Joseph revealed to the brothers who he was, and he sent the wagons, and he sent all the food, and they went back and got Jacob. They brought Jacob down to Egypt. Pharaoh said, I'm going to give you Goshen. I'm going to give you the most fertile land and soil here in Egypt because of Joseph's sake. But Jacob was 130 years old when he went down to, to Goshen. And he lived to be 147. So he was there 17 years. And um, as a family, you know, they all ate together and slapping each other on the back and everything is hunky-dory. But those 11 brothers never forgave themselves. And how do we know that? In Genesis 50 and 15, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. And they did unto thee this evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. They wouldn't even now say they're brothers. We'll, we'll just be your servants. Just don't kill us. Don't, don't get even now. What's that telling us about those boys? They never forgave themselves. Seventeen years reconciled as a family. They never forgave themselves. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. The Hebrew says he, he spoke to their hearts. Why? Because their hearts were a, an emotional mess. Because now Jacob is dead, Israel. Jacob, the old man, he's dead. And they think, you know, while the old man's alive, everything is great, you know. But it tells you in their hearts, they had never let the past go. They just kept on holding on to it, holding on to it, holding on to it. Even though they were laughing, having dinner together all the time, etc., and having great family time, love, but they never let the past go. They never forgave themselves. And as soon as Jacob died, they were certain Joseph would now get even. And he said, you, you still don't get it, guys. God sent me before you to save your lives. Why would I? He God send me before you to save your lives, and now I'm going to kill you. You see, and that showed me 
many years ago reading that. I love to read that story. If you want to read a real love story, read Joseph's life beginning in Genesis uh, chapter 37 to the 50th chapter of the book of Genesis. Uh, that, that's one of the greatest love stories, stories of forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption. The whole gamut is covered in that. You know, I, uh, as a matter of fact, in that last chapter there in Genesis chapter 50, um, that Joseph dies in, in chapter 50, and uh, he's buried. And he, uh, he, uh, he made them take an oath that before they left Egypt, he said, hey, God's going to visit you guys. Uh, many years down the land, he said, God's going to visit you. When he does, he says, do not leave my bones in Egypt. And in Exodus 13 and 19, the last thing that Moses said to the children of Israel was, get Joseph's bones. We can't leave them here. And uh, I preached a message on that. God even cares about your bones. That's how much he loves you. But Genesis begins with God, and Genesis ends with a man. It begins with heaven above, and it ends with a coffin below. We can never underestimate God and his sovereignty. And Genesis 15 and 26 says, So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And that's why my little notes here says, It begins with God above, and it ends with a coffin below. Uh, That's the the expanse between man and God is so vast. Uh, and, and, And... you know, Steve loves me. I, he heard me preach this sermon years ago back in the late 90s, broken things. And I bring out, even at death, uh, the soil, the sod has to be broken to bury someone. Uh, life is filled with broken things, uh, endless broken things, broken homes, broken families, broken marriages, broken bicycles, broken dolls, broken kites, brokenness strewn all over the highway of life. It exists in perpetuity. And... Um, but God is the one that reconciles all of that and brings it together. Why? Because he loves us. And, and going back to Romans 8 and 38, Paul said, I am persuaded or I'm absolutely convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord Paul said nothing nothing there's absolutely nothing he said that can separate you from the love of God the devil cannot separate us from the love of God now we can separate ourselves from the love of God we can terminate the relationship Judas terminated his relationship Peter temporarily terminated it when he's cursing and swearing I don't know who the man is but he goes out, and I, well, I believe he went to the same Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus had been, and he went out there and he wept bitterly, and he prayed and said, God, forgive me. You know, I, I believe Judas Iscariot could have done the same thing, but the guilt, the condemnation, he couldn't forgive himself for what he had done. And, uh, you know, the Bible said in, in the, uh, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, that doesn't mean that the Scriptures cannot be fulfilled. You know, Psalms 41, verse 9, David said, My own familiar friend, whom I did eat with, hath lifted up his heel against me. 
David is prophesying about Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot did eat with Jesus, but he lifted up his heel against Christ. But that doesn't mean he couldn't be reconciled, see? But the guilt, and this is why guilt, Satan knows this, guilt can be so destructive that it literally begs description to describe the power of guilt and condemnation. And that's why a lot of people in this time of year are depressed, discouraged, beleaguered, bewildered, and they think, this is my way out. But the truth is, that's not a way out. That's, you know, I don't know and cannot judge people's minds when they do that. Um, you know, you, you don't have the right to take your life. God confers life. Uh, and when people, when the Bible said, thou shalt not kill, actually what that means is thou shalt not murder. Right. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, there were killings all the time, stonings for different reasons, adultery, whatever the case might be. So when God says, thou shalt not kill, he's talking about just going out here and murdering somebody. Well, if you murder your own life, you've done wrong. Now, again, I'm not the judge of the person's mind at that point in time. I don't know their mind or their state. It's like I always tell people when I have to be involved in these circumstances. I remember I had to go to a particular home where the man had you know, put a gun to his head and taken his life. And I was there before the the two, two children, a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, and they wanted me there before they took his body out of the house. And the young man's name was, was Matthew, and he, he was just uncontrollably crying. And he, he, looked, he said, Pastor, can God have mercy on my daddy? Mm. And I said, Matthew, if anybody can have mercy now, God can. God can. Because I, I, I don't know. I, you know, once a person goes out into eternity, I can no longer extend mercy because they're gone. But in eternity, if anybody can show mercy, God can. If he wills, I mean, he, he knows the hearts of every man. I, and I, and I, I thank God I don't have to judge men's hearts. I judge whether something yeah. is good or evil. But I, I can't judge their mind, their state of mind at that point in time. Uh, I, I really believe something, some mechanism trips. Uh, and, and as I said, every time I've had someone to phone me, call me, talk to me about suicide, after we spent time in conversation, I've never had no one to go ahead and go ahead and do that. They, 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 they didn't do it. Because I, I painted a picture of something they had not even once thought about, hadn't even entered into their mind. And you know, if I can do that, then God has touched their hearts through his spirit to get them to see that they can't do this because they leave all the brokenness and they compound it in the other spouse or the children or, or whatever. You know, then they have this guilt. You know, what did I do to make them do that? What did I do? Pastor, if I can ask this. To anyone listening tonight who's alone, who has no family, or they're far and long estranged, who might say, I'm not going to, I mean, I can do this because no one will be affected by what I do. I can do this. I don't have family. I don't have children. I don't have a wife. What would you say to them? They They may think that, but somebody... They may not know this, but somebody on this earth loves them and cares about them. And if they would just go to that person and, and, and say, talk to me, help me, that person would demonstrate the true love of God. 
you know. Uh, and that's see, that's that's the enemy wanting people to believe that nobody cares. I'm all alone. I'm all by myself. But that's why I felt tonight to let you know God loves you. He cares about you. You know, David asked the question, "Who cares for my soul?" He actually said, "God cares for me." I mean, David was like Christ. There was there were times he felt totally ostracized and alienated and forsaken. Saul was out to kill him. He was fleeing for his life. Matter of fact, that's one of the reasons he wrote Psalms 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. Won't. And he, then he said in verse 4, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see, what Paul is trying to get us to understand is you're never alone. The devil wants to make you feel alone. He wants you to feel discouraged. He, and as I said, he watches your response as he shoots the fiery darts at you. If you're embracing that thought and you say audibly, openly, nobody loves me, nobody cares for me, he sees it's working. And he drives the much more to, 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 to force you into that position, that particular posture. That's his goal. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So it's always amazing how we can hear the voice of the devil, but we don't hear the voice of the Lord saying, but I love you. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't do that. Don't go there, you know. And I learned, I've learned in life, it's never as bad as you think it is. There's, there's always hope. As I said, I've become helpless so many times, but I've never lost hope, you know. And that's where Satan wants people to come to a state and a place of hopelessness. There's just no hope. But there, there, with God, there's always hope. You know, the dialogue between Martha and Mary and Jesus concerning Lazarus. You know, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. She said, I know he'll live in the last day. You, you know, he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. He's trying to get her to understand, I am the resurrection, Martha. You're talking to him. I, I am that personification of the resurrection and of course he did raise Lazarus from the dead but she believed in the resurrection but didn't believe that Jesus was the resurrection and uh, Doug we only got a few more minutes what, what, what's, what's the last uh, 9.56 when we uh, 9.58 9.58 I just so want to take a moment yeah. to, to, to pray would that be alright oh please yes you know, because I, I want people to know, you know, I, you know, I'm a very strong preacher. I know that. I know my calling, and, and I don't have any reservations in that. But I love people. That's why I preach. If you love your child, you'll discipline your child, because you don't want that child to err and and become wayward. And I love people, and uh, that's why I preach and minister with such conviction and such truthfulness, because I don't want anyone to be lost, because I was once lost. And, uh, and 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 the devil wants you always to think it's so bad that there's just no hope. But you know, Mary said, "Lord, he stinketh by now. It's been four days. It's just, all hope is gone." And they couldn't embrace the fact he was who he said he was—the resurrection and the life. But he proved himself. But I want to I want to pray tonight and just ask the Lord to touch those who feel ostracized and alienated, and you feel forsaken, and you feel like no one cares. It's, I'm telling you, it's not that bad. The devil wants you to believe it's that bad, but it's not that bad. I promise you, the sun will come up in the morning. It will come up in the morning. It may not be what you want it to be, 
but it will come up in the morning. And if you'll bathe your mind in his word, and you'll take the time to stop and talk to God yourself, and talk to him like you would your father, your mother, pour your heart out, we call it pour your heart out to God, he will hear you when you call. He's not going to abandon you and turn a deaf ear. He wants you to come unto him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He'll bring peace into your mind. Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be on the broadcast, the program, and to share the word of the living God. Father, tomorrow is Thanksgiving here in America. I know there are those listening tonight that they feel like they don't have anyone. They feel they have been abandoned. They have been forsaken. They have been thrown to the side and just utterly cast away. But, Lord, you go for those who are cast away. You go to those who are broken, and you mend their brokenness. You heal their wounded hearts. You touch their fatigued minds, and you give them strength and encouragement. I lift up those tonight that are alone. I lift them up before you, Father through your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross that men might be redeemed, forgiven, cleansed, restored, and made completely whole. Lord, there are those listening tonight that are broken, broken because of a circumstance, a situation, a broken marital trust, a broken relationship with a child, a son or a daughter. Brokenness is everywhere. But Father, I pray tonight that you would mend the brokenness with your love, and with your exceeding peace that passes all understanding. I believe tonight you're going to smother people in your love. You're going to envelop them in your love and let them know that if you are for them, who can be against them? Lord, we're here to encourage. We're here to strengthen. We are here to edify. We are here to lift up those who are downtrodden, those who feel forsaken, Lord. You promised us you would never, ever leave us but you would be with us always, even unto the end of this world. I pray tomorrow that you will infuse energy and strength. And to those who are discouraged, you will infuse their minds with peace and placidity, O oh God. You will strengthen their hands. You will strengthen their walk. That they will literally turn over a new page, a new leaf. And they'll bless your name and they will thank you, Lord. Because when we thank you... That's when we have the love in our hearts that we need to reciprocate back to you because we are grateful and we're thankful for your keeping power. I pray for every home. I pray for every family. I pray for every marriage. I pray for those who are troubled in their marriage, that you would strengthen that home, that the spirit of grace would be pronounced, that husbands and wives would get down on their knees together and pray. Pray for each other and pray together that their, the bond of their marriage might be strengthened, that it could never be broken, Lord, because where the power and the grace of God is, there's going to be comfort, and there's going to be healing, and there's going to be deliverance. Bless every home and bless every family, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Powerful. And, and I know that there are people out there who needed that prayer and who needed to hear this tonight. You know, it, it, it's, um, wow. What, what a, what a great dose of, uh, reality, reality radio, but, um, uh, biblical reality, scriptural. Yeah. Reality. I mean, this is, this is, this is what servants of the Lord do. We serve, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a joy to serve. Sometimes it's hard, but uh, we do it because we're called to serve.
and I appreciate what you do uh, for the sake of the gospel as well. I really do. Pastor, thank you so very much, and uh, to you and your wife and your family, have a very merry, restful, pleasant Thanksgiving, and we're certainly going to be say, uh, uh, giving thanks for you and, and your ministry and everything you do for us. That, that's well, thank special. you so much, and everyone have All a right. blessed day tomorrow in Jesus' name. I'll see you. Good, All right. Good night. Folks, uh, Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism, voiceofevangelism.com, the voiceofevangelism.com. You know, what a, what a great man he is, and, and I'm, I feel lucky to have him as a, as a friend, and I, I feel glad and happy and thankful to be able to bring, that he's gracious enough to appear on our program to talk with everyone, and, um, I would be remiss if I didn't thank each and every one of you for everything that you do for your your emails and your letters and your I was just reading some mail today and um it's just wonderful. I, I thank each and every one of you. I want to thank the the moderators in our chat room. God bless you and the listeners, whether you're listening to this by yourself in your home or in your car, all all across the world, thank you so very much. To the people that are to our sponsors, I want to thank them. And uh to the people who have made sacrifices for uh, for this country and for others. Thank you. Folks, again, uh, tomorrow I will be uh, in the office here. We, we're going to be working, but uh, just during the day now, if anything does happen, uh, just watch our social networking feed, Twitter feed, as well as uh, our website. If anything does break tomorrow, we certainly will be taking to the airwaves. Friday we'll be back, uh, regular programming. I might have some things to say tomorrow elsewise. Everyone have a joyous Thanksgiving with your family. God bless.